Welcome Beyond the Neutral Zone. I am Brandon, joined by my good friends Tanner and Ben. Today is Wednesday, February 14th. Tanner, what day is that? Wednesday? It, it, that it, is correct. It is correct. You didn't specify, bro. It's correct. It is Wednesday. But for, for this is Valentine's Day. Oh, Valentine's Day. It is yeah. Valentine's Day. So if you so or a single aware, single awareness day. Single awareness day. Single awareness day also. I think it's all, the opposite for, of single awareness day. For all three of us, it needs to be single awareness day. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, so what we're gonna do today, we are going to look back. We're gonna on Wednesday today and this coming Monday, we're gonna look back at this past season at, at individual teams. Today we're just gonna do NFC teams. We're gonna look back, we're gonna look at a some first thing that comes to your head bright spot for the team this past year and dark spot for the team for this past year. So really, really good teams this past year will be a little more difficult to come up with dark spots. And for the really, really bad teams, maybe a little more difficult to come up with the bright spots. So this would be an interesting brain exercise to see what different things we got popping in our head for these things. Before we get into that, though, today at the Chiefs Super Bowl parade, there was some sort of a shooting. And from what I can tell, three people have taken into custody. I don't know if there was more people involved in that, but I know three people were taken into custody. 22 people have been injured and one person is dead. So this is obviously very serious, but I'm going to turn this into an interesting question for Tanner. Okay. Okay. Let's say the Titans win the Super Bowl next year and you can be in the Super Bowl parade in Nashville, but you know there's going to be a shooting and 22 people are going to die and or 22 people are, are going to get injured and one person going to die. Are you willingly going to be in that parade or no? Ab- absolutely. This is a question for Tanner, not you, Ben. I would. My ears are ringing bad right now. I have no clue why. That's tough, man. Because, like, yeah. yes, obviously, I would want to be there because, like, it would be the Titans' first Super Bowl ever. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. And another part of me is, like, it happened after. The parade. The okay. shooting happened. Okay. After the parade. Okay. It happened after that. Okay, so you can so add, like, add that. As soon as it ended, part of me would want to get the heck out of there. But on the other part of me, like, part of me would want to, like, be able to say if something like that happened, I could be there to help in some way. Because, like, one of the shooters, I'm pretty sure there were two shooters. One of the shooters, like, basically, like, I don't want to say spectators, but people, like, basically brought him down. So, like, one of the shooters, I'm pretty sure, police took care of. The other one, like, other people apprehended until the cops got there. Hmm. So, like, I don't know. Part of me wants to be, part of me wants to say I would get the heck out of Dodge if I knew that was coming. But another part of me would be, like, I would want to be there to help maybe save an innocent life. Okay. Yeah. But, like, I, I don't know. Like, I would have mixed emotions about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 makes sense. Yeah. For me, if it was, like, the Packers... For me, I I would just I'm saying no, I don't want to be there. But it wouldn't even have anything to do with shooting. <laughs> like even if there wasn't a shooting, I wouldn't want to be there because I just don't like large crowds. I just I don't like to be oh, in a space so like bad. that yeah. with a lot of people, dude. I don't want any part of that. That's just a bunch of craziness. And to be honest, like if you were going to be a shooter and you wanted to shoot a bunch of people, like that kind of gathering is one of the easiest places. I, I can't and, believe only 22 people got hurt. And it's outside. Like there's e- even with the, all the cops that they had there, I think they said they had close to 300 cops there. And like, you just, you can't cover that much area with that many people with, yeah, you, know, you just foster. 
But anyway, all right. I I don't agree with what the mayor said after. What's the mayor say? I didn't uh, okay. He said he was asked about the shooting and he said, well, what do you expect? That's what happens when you allow people to have guns. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I, I know it was going to get turned political. It, yeah. they always In all seriousness, though, you know, prayers for Kansas City. Like, that's yeah. that's sad, man. Like, yeah. especially on a situation like that, a parade to celebrate like a back-to-back Super Bowl and something like that happened, man, that's that's super sad. So prayers go out to Kansas City and all the people that were injured and all the families there. Like, that's got to be. And two, man, like me personally, if I was like involved in a shooting like that or around a shooting like that happening, that would have a lasting effect on me, bro. Like, I, I don't know, like, especially if I was around where the shots were, I'm not going to lie, bro. That would be hard for me to get over. Like that, that would be hard for me for, that's understandable. Yeah. You know, I, I, I completely could see that. Cause I don't feel like you really truly get like, I don't feel like you truly get like, I don't want to say the volume of that situation, but how serious that situation is until you're in a situation. Oh, like that. of course. Yeah. Like you don't understand the magnitude of that situation until you're faced with a situation like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure how I'd be able to react if I like, I'm standing next to like one of you guys and we're like in a big crowd together. And the next thing you know, like one of you just take like a bullet to the chest. So I'm like, so what, what in the world? I don't know what's like, what I think when I was, when I was sitting down watching the news, I'm pretty sure I read that there was a child that took a shot in the mouth. In the mouth? In the mouth. Yeah. Took a shot in the mouth. And apparently if what I read, the child took like a shot in the mouth. And like they looked over and like there was blood like all over their shoulder and something like that. So like, wow, dude, if that's true, that's crazy. There were multiple children. I did. I did see that 10 kids were being treated in the hospital. Yeah. I don't know. It didn't say that they were all injured from gunshots, but it said they were being treated. Yeah. So in the chaos like that, people can be getting trampled. Like there's a lot of stuff that could be going on. So I don't know exactly what they're getting treated for, but it did say 10 kids are being treated in the hospital. But anyway. That was a dark start to the episode. All right, we're going to just go ahead and jump straight into it. NFC, speaking of dark spots, <laughs> we're going to go to, uh, we're going to be starting with the top. So best finishers in the NFC and then working our way all the way down to the bottom. So first team, obviously, is going to be the 49ers. So Tanner, the whole season for the 49ers. You all want to start each team with the bright spot or do you want to start each team with the dark spot? Bright spot. We need positivity yeah. first after after the beginning of this segment. Okay, so you want to eat? You want to end on a dark note for each team? Yeah, we're gonna end on a dark note. Okay, all right. Bright spot for the 49ers. So bright spot. No, not we're not we're not talking about future stuff. We're talking about this past season. What was the bright spot? Bright spot for the 49ers. Season? Yeah, I may shock you all with this. My bright spot of the 49ers would be Brock Purdy, and I say that to say. The only reason that I didn't say Christian McCaffrey is in a way we've seen what Christian McCaffrey can do. We have expectations of what Christian McCaffrey can bring. There were still so many question marks and there were so many people that had so many doubts about Brock Purdy and the season that he had, which yes, he did have a couple of bad games, especially the one with the Ravens, but how he played through the playoffs, you know, the second half against the Packers and then how he played in the Super Bowl. I feel like those questions were answered. And from the 49ers aspect, they can go on and, and they can move 
they can basically give Brock Purdy the starting job now, long term, without those question marks around for Brock Purdy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because you already know what you've got in Christian McCaffrey. It's it, the only right answer I feel like is Brock Purdy or Christian McCaffrey. That's it. Yeah. It's got to be Brock Purdy because you already knew what you were getting from Christian McCaffrey. So that's my personal answer. Right. Okay. What about you, Ben? My answer is Christian McCaffrey, and it's pretty self-explanatory. The dude scored a touchdown in every single game but one, I'm pretty sure. And just his rushing threat and receiving threat combined is just completely out unmatched. Like, there's no one else like that in the game. So, yeah, I mean, there's no arguing that. My my original thought was I would I'd want to say Brock Purdy naturally as well. He's he was the bright spot. But I, just to be different from Tanner, I'm going to say John Lynch and the general roster building as a whole. Mm. Just fantastic. I mean. He kind of lucked into Brock Purdy a little bit, but everything outside of that, that roster is just built to perfection. Yeah. It's going to be a little more difficult moving forward, but we're not talking about going forward. This is just this past year, and it was fantastic, almost perfect. Mm. Next team up is the Lions. Do a dark spot? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Dark spots. We are. I forgot. Dark spots. Tanner. For the 49ers this past season, what was the dark spot? So... My dark spot may be a little controversial, but I have to say, I have to say Kyle Shane, personally, because it, it's it's either between Kyle Shanahan or the 49ers defense, since our defensive coordinator was just fired, but I've got to give it to Kyle Shanahan. One, because of the history that he's had with the big games, Super Bowl, and some playoff games. And then just the overall coaching and some of the decision-making that he makes, anywhere from play calling to the decision for him to take the ball first. Like, that's just, you know, Andy Reid literally came out and said, I know he blames it on analytics and wanting to get the ball third, but on the flip side of that, literally Andy Reid said his, he came out and said his analytics was showing take the ball second. So there's a disconnect there from somewhere. There's there's a disconnect there somewhere, okay? And I'm sorry, I'm not taking... I know the some of the players are at fault, and I know that we touched on this on Monday, but I know that some of the players are at fault for not knowing rules, not knowing overtime rules and things like that. But yes, I'm not taking the players totally off the count, but you got to Kyle Shanahan has got to be held accountable, man, because you have to make sure as the coach of your football team in the biggest game of the year, this is this is the biggest game. And you have had two weeks to prepare for this. Literally two weeks, man. The fact of players coming out saying they did not know the overtime rules is completely unacceptable. Uh, let me also so, point out, the overtime rules, that wasn't just for the Super Bowl. That was no. all playoff. And they have been that way, what, two or three years now? Three years now? So I'm sorry. For your players, like, I'm not taking, like I said, I'm not taking the players. I'm, I'm not giving the players a pass on this because they're professional athletes. They need to know. But I hold a lot of that to Kyle Shanahan because you've had two weeks to prepare for this game and for your players to come out and say they don't know the overtime rules in the biggest game that you're going to play all season long when you've had two weeks to prepare, completely unacceptable. Yeah. So this game, 
had left me with a tremendous amount of question marks for Kyle Shanahan. I can't disagree with any of that. What about you, Ben? Dark spot. I got it. Honestly, my dark spot is just their safeties. And the reason I say that is Talanovega Hufunga getting hurt. And then after that, they just had nobody. Like, their safeties were pretty vulnerable. I felt like so. That's that's pretty much it. Just once Hufunga went out, I felt like they were vulnerable over top. And I felt like that's honestly why they couldn't be as aggressive at times. Although I felt like they should be, still be aggressive. But I felt like that's the fair. defense coordinator was trying to hide a weakness, kind of, by, like, dropping some guys back. That's so. fair. That's fair. My negative was just going to be for the for the team and season in general. With with this in mind, this was their win. Their Super Bowl window is still open. It is, but this was the best shot. Like it, you had not only did you have Brock Purdy with this nothing contract, but you you still hadn't had to pay players like Brandon Ayuk yet. And next year, you're starting to have to pay some of those players. Like your 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 roster is not going to be as good next year as it was this year. It's still going to be great, it's, but it's not going to be as good. If Trent Williams comes back, he's going to be even older now. Like, this was your best shot. This was the best one. Now, they still got a shot next year, but this was the best shot that they're going to have, and they didn't get it. And that's I'm not even sure if I believe they have a shot next year, to be honest with well, you. Anytime your quarterback has a contract like that, you've got a shot. I get it, but it's deeper than that. Yeah, I mean, there's like, there's a lot I, going on. You're right. We can talk. We can we can hit. We can talk about it later. But I I genuinely don't know. Anyway, go go ahead. Go. But yeah, I, I was pretty much done with my thought. That 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 was this was the best shot, and you didn't get it. And if you're a 49ers fan, that that's got to hurt. It's got a, a punch to the gut right yeah, there, bro. 100%. Like that's that's brutal. You really thought this was gonna be the one. Apparently, one, one of Gabe's friends, who's a 49ers fan, burned his 49ers. Yeah, that, that's a little yeah, much. Okay. That's a little much. <laughs> Bro, I mean, come on, dude. You, we were in the Super Bowl. Why are you burning Jimmy Lee, dude? Hey, come on, no. It's ridiculous. All right, let's move on to the Lions. Bright spots for the Lions. I'll go first. I, I, it's going to be hard to narrow this down to just one thing. There's a lot of bright spots to look at for the Lions this past year. I'm going to say Dan Campbell in general. I just think that, that guy's energy and his fire is just contagious and is awesome for that team. And the players obviously love playing for him. And they have a good energy, a good atmosphere about them. And it seems like they all want to be there and they're all having a great time. So I think the bright spot for me is going to have to be Dan Campbell. There's, Like I said, there's a lot of other bright spots too, but I think that's the one that I'm going to have to go with. But you've been. Since you threw me the alley, I'll just go ahead and finish the play really quick. Ben Johnson is the obvious answer here. Their okay. offensive coordinator. Yeah. Dude, absolutely made Jared Goff look fantastic. I I wish he would give Jameer Gibbs the ball more, but I can't deny that David Montgomery did a good job and Jameer Gibbs also did good. And then the plays for Amon Raw that he draws up and just the way that he uses the middle of the field, but also still uses the stretch plays also to keep the defense outside. Like his offensive scheme is great. And I wish he would have been the head coach of the commanders, but he's not. So, yes. All right, Tanner, what's your bright spot for the Lions? So, I, I don't know. Mine. So, okay, I'll just say it. my bright spot for the offensive block or my bright spot for the Lions is the offensive block. 
is the defense. No, no, it's the offensive line. So that offensive line was the best offensive line in the entire NFL. And would you have the best offensive line in the entire NFL? Okay, I mean that opened up. Good, but no, statistically, I mean, statistically, oh, they were the best offensive line. Statistically, they allowed. Statistically, they allowed seventy-one pressures on three hundred and eleven dropbacks in the season. They were the number one statistical offensive line, and they're in one block. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and literally, even from that, with them being such a good run blocking, I mean, they look they made Jameer Gibbs look like a top. Well, maybe this may be a little much, but in my eyes, watching Jameer Gibbs play behind that offensive line, they made him look like a top ten running back, possibly. If you take away some of the rushes that they were given, David Montgomery. So I'd got to give the bright spot to the offensive line because the run game and then it, I'm so, like the offensive line is so massive to quarterback play. And the offensive line, I feel like, and obviously they've got phenomenal receivers, but they opened up the passing game and made Jared Goff look so much better because they gave him so much time. So, yeah, my bright spot is the offensive line for the Lions. Sir, we went through all three talking about bright spots for the Lions, and nobody said Jared Goff. That's yeah. crazy. But I thought about Jared, Jared Goff, but I had, to get, I had to get mine from them. I think Jared Goff was a product of what we all three brought up, though. Yeah, yeah it's true. It's true. Yeah. All right, Tanner, give me the dark spot for the Lions. Okay. Year. Man, you're just gonna throw the dude on the spot and no, no, I, I no. So when Snake were doing my mine is, and let me explain before you all jump on this. Mine will be Dan Campbell only to the aspect of his decision making, because I'm not. He is a phenomenal coach, fantastic coach. Literally, what he's done for the Lions is fantastic. He's turned them into one of the worst teams to one of the best teams in a two to five year span. Like he has done amazing things coaching. The only thing that makes me think it could possibly be a negative is if he just kicks one of the, and I will, I will say this until I die till I'm on my literally on my deathbed. If he kicks even one of those field goals against the 49ers, the Lions are in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. Like, I just, his decision-making is good. Like, his coaching is fantastic. Some of the decisions that he makes, I can give him a pass on it. But on the flip side of that, it is that decision-making that I feel like personally does them in in a situation like the Lions in the 49ers game. So... Maybe not a dark spot, but maybe something that can be an asterisk beside the Lions coaching. Does that make sense? What I was trying to say, kind of how I was trying. Although to I all, it's, it kind of makes sense. Although I disagree with it. I think his, I think his decision making is a bright spot for the team mm-hmm. because that's the reason why they are as good as. Them. And maybe okay, maybe maybe decision making wasn't the best. I will take a step back and say his aggressiveness in some instances. I think it's a positive. Are, yeah. But you can honestly, you can look at that. Every, to me, I like his aggressiveness, but you have to have situational awareness when it comes to certain situations being aggressive. Yeah, I kind of, but because I that's a, it's just that is a mentality that he's instilled into the team. And because mm-hmm. of that mentality, 
it's the reason that they are as good as they are. And it's as good as it's the reason why their offense is, yeah. is as good as it is. Their offensive coordinator, as great as he is, mm-hmm. he knows that he has that freedom for those fourth down plays, which allows him to be a lot more open with his play calling. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I think it's an overall positive for the team. Now, as always, when you're that aggressive on play calling, when you go that often on fourth downs, you're it's there's a lot of positives and you're going to win a lot of games because of those fourth down plays and you're also going to lose games because of those fourth down plays you're going to win and you're going to lose them. as long as you're winning more than you're losing because of them though i'm cool with it yeah and they are unfortunately one of those losses came in the nfc championship game but you, they're winning more than they're losing because of those things i will say really quick before we move on to ben you you all may not agree with this I personally think if Dan Campbell is the coach of the 49ers or if the four, or if the Lions are in the situation the 49ers were in in overtime, Dan Campbell goes for that fourth down and yeah. kicking that. If Dan Campbell 100%. If Dan Campbell's in overtime, he's not kicking a field goal or or it, ever. It's not ever going to happen yeah. in overtime. In, in the end playoff, it's just yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. You're 100% correct. And I guarantee you he takes the ball second. Yeah. One hundred. Any coach that has a brain in their hand takes the ball second. What What we learned is Tanner hates head coach. That's what we've learned. So no, what? What is the world? We, we're through two teams, and Tanner's dark spot for both teams is their head coach, and it's two of the best head coaches in the NFL. So, all right, Ben, what's your dark spot? My dark spot is their overall defense, specifically rushing defense. They, I think, they were either the second or third. Worst rushing defense in the league this year. And they're, I mean, honestly, even their pass rush, like their passing defense wasn't that great either. Aiden Hutchinson single handedly made plays in the yeah. passing game. Their secondary is not good. But yeah. yeah. But they they got ran all over. So that that's pretty much it. Okay. My dark spot is very similar to the 49ers' dark spot. My dark spot is like, this would, I think this was your best chance as the Lions, even if you want to talk about just the division. This was the year the Packers were rebuilding. Like, this was it. Like, they were down there. Jordan Love's first year starting. Like, this is it. This is the year to win the division. This is your best chance in the playoffs. And you made it far. You made it all to the NFC Championship. So, it's hard to see that as a dark spot for the Lions because they made it so much further than they have in so long. But I think this may have been it. I, I, I think it's back to being the Packers division starting next season. So, May you can still make it. You you can still get wild cards. You can still make the playoffs. But you, this was your best chance to take advantage of the Packers. And even this year, you split with the Packers. The second time you destroyed the Packers, and the next time you played against them, the Packers destroyed you. So it's hard to it's hard to say that this season is a dark spot, saying that it was their best chance because they made it so far. But I think this was their best chance at a Super Bowl, and they're gonna have to give Jared Goff another contract. Maybe they keep hitting as often as they were hitting in the draft as they have the past couple of years because the past couple of years they've killed the draft. Maybe you could kill it again next year. I don't know. We'll see. But it's it's hard to say that you're gonna it, the window is gonna be as open as it was this year. But it's possible. It's it's possible. All right, next team up, Buccaneers. Buccaneers made it to the divisional round and lost to the Lions this year. So. Bright spot for the Buccaneers, for me. I'm going to steal somebody's, sorry. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, that was, I mean, I, I didn't expect that. 
I, I mean, I've been down on Baker Mayfield his whole career, man. This was his best season. This was Baker. This was not even close, by the way. This was Baker Mayfield's best season by a large margin. He looked fantastic. He looked to be a perfect fit for that style of offense, which is really weird to say because Chris Godwin basically was non-existent the entire season. Chris Godwin basically just didn't exist. But Baker Mayfield still played awesome. His connection with Mike Evans was awesome. His just overall understanding and concept of the offense itself looked really good. So I, I've got to give Baker Mayfield his props, man. I mean, that was that was a really, really good year from him, and I just wasn't expecting it. I didn't see it coming. You guys agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I, I, really, I genuinely don't know how you can come up with something different from the books, man. Yeah, I mean... The only other person that you can say is Mike Evans, I feel like. Well, you could say some sort of coaching and stuff. You can... Yeah. You can yeah, I, I was going to go with Baker, but I'll I'll take his backfield mate. Honestly, I was really impressed with Rashad White throughout the year. I mm-hmm. thought he did a really good job doing just what needed to be done. If they needed two yards, three yards, he would get it. If they needed receiving work, he would do it. Like, And his, his pass blocking was better than I expected it to be also. Because whenever he was playing with Tom Brady and they were like, oh, it's Rashad White's time, it's Rashad White's time. The reason that he wasn't on the field more is because Tom Brady didn't trust him in the pass blocking game. He didn't think he was able to protect and hold up in the pass game. And I I thought he did a good job at that this year. And he got the two to three yards when they needed it. Also did receiving work. I thought he was the kind of unspoken hero of the team when Baker was getting the praise. So, yeah, it's fair. It's fair. What about you, Tanner? It's got to be Baker Mayfield, man. Like, oh, come I, up with I something just, different. Come on now. No, like, well, say Mike Evans, bro. Say something. You can say their offensive coordinator. Say Kate Otten left for the Panthers. I mean, I, I mean, I'll give it to Kate Otten. Kate Otten and Mike Evans. I mean, okay. I, you know, Mike Evans is one one thousand percent a Hall of Famer. I I missed Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield completely at the beginning of the year. I honestly didn't think I'm one of between all of us and you guys have got to give me this. I am the biggest Baker Mayfield supporter True. out of everybody. Yeah. I didn't see the season that he had coming. I just didn't. And I, I will be completely honest. Like I will be completely honest about that. But because you thought the drop off from the goat was going to be a lot more. I did. Yeah. 100% I did. <laughs> but you know, you take, you know, freaking you Baker Mayfield in there and you put him in in the quarterback. No, I'm just playing. But you could have given it to the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to give it to Baker Mayfield, but Brandon took mine. So no. I didn't really have another, another try. I would say I can give it, I can give it to their offensive line. I can give it to Mike Evans. There's a couple Wait. of different people that I could give it to. Why do um, we, we skipped a team? You skipped a team. No, but I'm going by order of finish right now. Yeah, and you skipped a team. No, there's another team that got eliminated in the same week as the Buccaneers, where they're not division winners like the Buccaneers are. Yes, Ben. Gosh, Ben, get a clue. No, no, you still skipped a team. Ben, there are four teams that made it to the divisional round. We're on the third team right now. Anyway, yeah, that's that's my that's my personal. That's that's my personal. Why did you do it like that instead of wreck? Because I'm going. By the how far they made it in the playoffs, and then divisional winners are a tiebreaker versus teams that were not divisional winners. It's basically going to be like how the NFL draft is set up. Then, all right, Tanner. Yeah, are you done? Yeah. Okay. Dark spot for the Buccaneers. Go. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a dark spot per per se, but 
I would say one thing that I would try my best to really focus on in the offseason is getting a younger defense and especially pass rush. I'm um, talking about the future. I talk about but I'm I'm just saying, well, and I'm saying that from a dark spot perspective, like some of these pass rushers are getting really old. Like I'm pretty sure Vita Vea is, he's got to be mid thirties. I mean, like some of their pass rushers are getting, getting old. So, gotcha. and that was one, especially in the Tom Brady era, like not, not trying to go backwards, but in the Tom Brady era, it was their pass rush. Vita Vea is 29. Vita Vea, Vita Vea is twenty nine. He's their he's like their youngest pass rusher though. But all their head ones are But like I would say, get a younger defense, get a younger. I really didn't know Vita Vea was that old. It seems like he's been in the NFL for twenty. It years. does seem that way. But yeah, I would focus on, I would focus on the pass rush because when I mean literally, just look at the Buck the Bucks Chiefs Super Bowl. I mean, and top not Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes was running for his life the entire game. And the pass rush was getting home to some aspects, but it definitely was not like when the Buccaneers were chasing a Super Bowl. Obviously, they didn't have the one and only GOAT as Tom Brady. But I would say, I would say try to get a younger pass rush and a younger defensive line. That's what I would say personally. Okay. Well, Tanner stole mine, and I wasn't really prepared for. It sucks, that doesn't it? Stolen. It sucks, doesn't it? I guess my dark spot for them would be similar to your dark spot for the Lions and the fact that I feel like they blew a chance. Like I, Their division is not going to be this bad again next year, which we've said that for two years. It's still not going to be great. But uh, it's, it won't be this bad. Arthur Smith isn't going to be the head coach of the Falcons. So the Falcons are going to have a better than 7-10 and 10 record. And I honestly don't know what's going on with the Saints. So, I mean, yeah. it, basically it's going to be between them and the Falcons. And I think the Falcons will beat them next year. The Mike, Mike Evans is only getting older. Chris Godwin's only getting older. Like Tanner said, their defensive line is getting older. Like, they've got some aged guys on this team which i think actually helped them this year as far as like veteran leadership but i just don't know how long that veteran leadership can continue to be good before they just fall off right so yeah it's tough to come up with dark spots for this team because the expectations were so low coming into this season and they won their division so it's hard to come up with dark spots for them but i would say my dark spot for them would just be inconsistency with the with the coaching just who the coaches are like whether it's the head coach the coordinators the positional coaches it just seems like that coaching staff is just a revolving door and I would say that's probably the biggest negative and even then it's hard to make that a dark spot because they they didn't really do bad this year so but I would say that's probably the biggest dark spot and I because I just I can't come up with any because they they just were expected to be nothing this year and they just blew all the expectations out of the water. So, I mean, it's it's tough, but that, if I had to give something, it would be that. Yeah. Next team up is the Packers. Packers, bright spots. There's a lot of bright spots for the Packers, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give some of the easier, simpler stuff to you guys, but I'm going to go with Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur is my biggest bright spot for the Packers this year. Obviously, there are some other big names that deserve recognition. But I'm going to go with Matt LaFleur because 
yes, he's made Jordan Love look great this year. Jordan Love played well. But I think the entire structure and the entire system that Jordan Love has been learning for the past few years, I think that system is fantastic. I think it's such a great offensive system. He had obviously a young quarterback, but his the, all the pass catchers, other than Aaron Jones, if you want to consider him a pass catcher, every other pass catcher on the team, all the tight ends, all the receivers are either first or second year guys. And he made all of them look great. Even the guys that weren't expected to get any playing time because we had a bunch of injuries this year. It didn't matter who he threw in there. It could, I mean, we were picking practice squads guys up off the Seahawks. They were going in there and getting hundred yard receiving games. I mean, it didn't matter. It literally didn't matter who we put in at receiver. It was it was a great offense regardless. So I got to give all the praise in the world to Matt Lafleur. I love that guy. I have great great hope for the future. And what a great season by him. I honestly, in my, I I really feel like I'm not being Packers biased right here. I really feel like Matt Lafleur deserved Coach of the Year, and he was not even a finalist. Like I, I really believe he was the best coach of the NFL season this year. I really really do. What about you, Ben? I kind of want to take and just say young guys, but I can't really do that because their whole team was young. I mean, you can. Can I specifically just go with their rookies, yeah. such as Jaden Reed and the two corners, Carrie Valentine and Carrie Valentine and Carrington Valentine. There we go. Yeah, and Carrington Valentine needs a special shout out because it's Valentine's Day. Yeah. So, so I mean. <laughs> They were already the youngest team and not expected to do much. And then even with Christian Watson being hurt over and over again, and then Romeo, did Romeo Dobbs get hurt or did he just not really? Early in the year, he had some kind of lingering injury for a couple of games that it wasn't a big deal. But I mean, he, he played good. He just kind of took a step right. back. Yeah. Like, it, and then, it wasn't even that he didn't play well. It was just the other guys were playing so well. Yeah. And Romeo Dobbs is not that big of a playmaker. Yeah. Like he's that consistent. He's kind of like the Juwan Jennings of yeah. the Packers. That's kind of what he is. And then, but so Jaden Reed took another step in the, like he was good at the beginning of the season. And then like closer to the end of the season, he took another step. And then both of those corners, even with trading Rasul Douglas in the middle of the season, like those two corners just stepped right in and played like nothing happened. They were like, oh, we're missing a corner. You don't notice that. So, yeah. By the way, whenever I'm seeing mock draft stuff for the Packers all the time, I, I keep reading all these an- these analysts say things like the Packers are in desperate, dying need for a corner. Every, I'm like, what are they talking about? What, why? I yes, could we use another corner? Yeah, of course, every team can yeah. use another corner. But why are they saying that the Packers are in a desperate need for a corner? Like, I, I don't get it. I, I it's so strange. Jair Alexander, Carrington Valentine, Corey Valentine, oh. Keyshawn Nixon, all those guys. Like, I mean, I feel like we're in decent shape. We need we need safety help a lot more than corner. But you can get safeties later in the draft. But anyway. I missed my chance to shout out my guy. Zach Tom is that dude. Zach Tom is really good. Yeah. Keep keep an eye out for that name. That dude is so good. He's an offensive lineman who just uh, has blown expectations out of the water. What a boring name, by the way. Zach Tom. I like <laughs> I would I would like to say that I also predicted that before the season even started that Zach Tom was you, gonna be great. You did predict that. And I missed my chance to give him a shout out. That well, I mean you I still did. You just but, gave him a shout out. Yeah. All right, Tanner. Yeah, the 
the obvious answer here, which I'm not going to give, but okay. I'll shout him out. The obvious answer is Jordan. Like, right. let's just be honest. Okay. I mean, that that's the obvious answer because nobody expected Jordan Love to do what he does. But Jordan Love was impressive, but just as impressive to me is the entire receiving court with how young they were and literally putting dudes in there that I've never even heard of. I didn't even know were NFL receivers. And they're coming out and they're making plays. So the obvious answer is Jordan Love, but I've got to give love to the entire receiving court. And I really, really hope they all stay so they can Well, they can't back. go anywhere. Yeah, but, they're all on rookie con. They're all, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they're all first and second year guys. Actually, yeah, I I really really hope not even for next year. The year after that too, they're still locked in. They're locked did, in for the next two years. What did Dontavion? What contract did he sign? Did he just sign a free agent contract? No, Dontavion Wicks was drafted in the fifth round this past year. He's a rookie. He was a rookie this year. Who who am I thinking of that they signed? Bo Melton. Bo. He was a, no, he was off the practice squad from the Seahawks. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that maybe Bo Melton. Yeah, he was signed. Yeah. They signed him. At, they signed him to like a one week deal, and he like went off, and then they signed him to an actual contract. Do you know how many years is on that? I'm assuming it was just the rest of this season, but they're they're gonna resign him, but it's not gonna be anything crazy. Yeah, it, it'll be less than those other rookie receivers are making for sure. But anyway, but yeah, the receiving core is 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 locked in for at least two more years. And not, that's not even talking about the rookies. That's Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, the second year guys. They've still got two more years on their contracts. So and then the years the guy the other guys got three more. So the receiving core, I this is I literally I don't think hardly any NFL team should ever do this. I'd ever, ever in a draft. I think you should I think every team should draft a receiver every single year at some point in the draft. I don't think the Packers should draft a single receiver. Like they're what's the point? Where where's he gonna go? Like how? Like why would we draft a receiver? Don't first, draft a first round. Watching this is the first first round. round. The Packers draft a receiver. <laughs> and Brandon's head explodes. We're gonna get. We're gonna. We're gonna trade up for Roma doing say. Like, oh my, like, come on now. Oh my goodness. Oh man. All right, Doc spot for the Packers. Yeah. Packers so Banner. I may. I'm gonna leave you with the big one. Like that. I feel like you're gonna go off on a tangent about 15 minutes. I'm Ben. I take it. Mine may shock a lot of people, but I have to pick David Bakhtiari, bro. And I, I okay. say that to say, Fair. I say that to say, I'm I'm sorry, bro. Like, I forgot he was on the team. <laughs> like, you you are considered one of the best offensive linemen in the entire NFL. Zach Tom, and like, <laughs> do, do I? Zach Tom's better, <laughs> but like. There is absolutely no reason that you should be. I'm sorry. I don't believe any part of me that you did not know that you needed another knee surgery until the season started. I'm sorry. Like, I, I just, I do not believe it. So the fact that you wait until the season starts to say that you need another knee surgery is absolutely unacceptable, bro. Like, I just... You didn't want to play. You're pissed off because Aaron Rodgers left and you're trying to get your money, but you're not trying to play. Maybe as a Packers fan, you have a different outlook. That's how it comes across to me. So I just, it's inexcusable. It's unacceptable. And if there was ever a reason for a team not to pay a player, this is the perfect example 
right here. Yeah. Because you've literally just sat out, said you need another knee surgery, got another knee surgery just because you don't want to play because Aaron Rodgers left. That is exactly how it looks. Yeah. So my the mine is David Bakhtiari. That's not only how it looks. That's how it is. Yeah. You know, and but as a Packers fan, I don't really care, to be honest with you, because I don't think we would have been better with David Bakhtiari playing this year. I, this this offensive line played outstanding this year. And I think David, it's been so long since he's played consistently that I think that like he's probably taken a step back. He probably isn't that. That's probably why he doesn't want to play. He probably get, wants to get one more contract without actually having to prove that he can still play because he's not sure that he can still play himself. So that's what I think is going on. How long has it been since he played a full season? Three years? Well, uh, not even just a full season. Let, let's just say 10 football games. Three years? I, I think I think it's been like four years since he played ten football. I mean that it's been a long time. Look, if your knee I'm sorry, if your knees are that bad and you don't trust your knees to that extent, you do not need to be on the field. You do not need to be playing football. He claims like he claims that he is never playing a football game on turf again. He's he I, he's like, if we're playing on turf, I'm not playing that football that, game. That's, that's what he claims. That is no, bro. I I'm sorry. I do not believe that whatsoever. I'm sorry. Go but you're Anyway, go ahead, Ben. But ben. My, mine is David Bakhtiari. Okay, fair. I'm taking a position group here. I'm I'm going to go with the running backs as a whole. And I hate doing that because I do love Aaron Jones. And when he's on the field, dude is electric. But he was hurt for a good portion of the season again. And then A.J. Dillon, we had high hopes for. He came in. He doesn't look good. AJ Dillon just when he's on the field, he he doesn't look fast. He's not falling forward. He's not getting the extra two to three yards. Like he just I mean, he is still a bowling ball and can break tackles, but when he does go down, he doesn't have the fall forward feature that like elite running backs have. Like yeah. all the elite running backs, if they get tackled, they're falling forward. They're getting an extra two to three yards from falling forward. A.J. Dillon is capable of breaking tackles and stuff, but whenever he does get tackled, he all his momentum is just stopped, and he's just falling backwards. And it's so, like... I agree with that, but let me say this for A.J. Dillon. I don't think it's really an A.J. Dillon problem. I think it's a bad fit for this system. Yeah. Because this system is the basically the Kyle Shanahan running. The running system is like a Kyle Shanahan running system, yeah. where you're going edge to edge, and you need quick burst up at whenever you find the hole. And A.J. Dillon, he's not that type of running back. He needs to be going down. He needs to be Derrick Henry style. Like that. He need he doesn't need it. Well, Derrick Henry can go side to side. At least he used to be able to. But A.J. Dillon's never been that guy. He, it's it's Najee Harris. That's I mean yeah. So he he needs to be moving forward instantly. He does not need to be going laterally at all. And this entire system is designed for lateral running. And and that's what Aaron Jones is so good at. Aaron Jones is awesome at that. Yeah. And the system is great for you. You need really quick guys that can hit, can have a burst. You don't necessarily need top end speed. Aaron Jones doesn't have top end speed. He got caught from behind a lot this year, but he does have great initial burst acceleration. And that's what this offense needs. So, I mean, I just, I feel, I love AJ Dillon, but he's just, he's a bad fit for this system. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and Christian Watson. Yeah, dude can't keep his hamstrings to save his life. Yeah, I mean, holy! Every time he has a one good play, full hamstring. Every every single time, it's like, oh come on, man! It's ridiculous. All right, 
my dark spot obviously is was was going to be Joe Barry. Joe Barry was just abysmal all year for the past past two years. He's been just awful, and we had to endure it all year. At the, I do have to give him some credit at the the last few weeks of the season and in the playoffs. He did a lot better. Okay, he did a lot better. He started making some adjustments, and it was just still not good enough. But I mean, I, he is clearly the biggest dark spot of the team. But I, I do want to I do want to give half of my dark spot to somebody else. I want to give it to Jair Alexander. Jair, I love Jair. Obviously, in the Cowboys game, he made That's that awesome. huge play. Jair, he's just he's doing things that are kind of tr- he, he apologized for it. And he made up for it in the Cowboys game. But he's doing things off the field and even on the field that are kind of distracting from the rest of this young team's success. And I don't like it. Like, dude, just shut your mouth and play football, man. You got, you're the highest paid corner in the NFL. Enjoy it. Okay. Don't, you don't need to be a diva, dude. You don't need to. I he's such a fun personality. He's so interesting and funny to listen to. You you can be that same personality. You can be that same high energy, funny. Like even after the Cowboys game, where he's in the locker room being funny and t- like basically trashing Dak Prescott. Like you know, there's a there's two quarterbacks in the NFL that have thrown me multiple interceptions. Uh, Dak is one of them now, so I'd say he's definitely one of my top quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, like that's funny stuff. Okay, you can still do that with, and be a diva kind of to other teams without being a diva to your own team. Okay, that's like so. Just I I feel like once we get another this new defensive coordinator in here, I hope that him and Jair mesh well because I, I Jair I, I love him, but you I just don't want him distracting from the team. I, I just please don't do that, Jair. I, that's basically that's my biggest worry right now. So I, I almost to the point now to where I kind of would be okay with trading Jair. Like I, I, I it, would, it would hurt me, but I don't want I don't want anybody to jeopardize this the few what what looks like can be really a really successful team moving forward. And Jair seems like the kind of piece that if things go really wrong, he could really jeopardize everything. So we'll we'll see. But it's a little worrying. It's a little worried. I'll say that. Okay, next up, Cowboys, Bryce Bott. This is going to be tough for me. Uh, I have to go on this segment. (laughs) Bryce Bott for the Cowboys. I'm going to, I have to say C.D. Lamb. (laughs) C.D. Lamb, I still think he's overrated. Okay, I'm going to put that out. I still think C.D. Lamb is overrated, but he performed way better than I expected this year. Do I think part of that was stat padding and then forcing him the ball? Yes, I do. But he still did really, really well. And he seems like he could be a part of that actual top tier receiving group in the NFL. I don't think he's on the same level as Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, Garrett Wilson. I, I don't think he's on that same level, but I think he he could be. Maybe let me, let me see another year what you just did this year. But that was that was a really great season from him. Great job, CD Lamb. What about you, Ben? Since you took CD Lamb, guess I'll have to go with the dude. That had the most pick sixes on a season, and go with Deron Bland. Yeah, uh, since, since you're gonna force me to have to go with that dude, I guess that's a good second option there to pick. Yeah, so Deron Bland's just—I mean, everyone was worried. It was like, oh no, Trayvon Diggs went down. Like the Cowboys season is over. They have no hope. Like their defense is about to be shot. And then in just steps Trayvon Diggs. I mean, I mean, he literally was Trayvon Diggs. Yeah. He, he 
played the exact same role. He got he did get burned a few times, but he made up for it with the interceptions and the pick sixes. So I mean, it was he literally just was Trayvon Diggs. By the way, by the way, that style of corner play and that style of defense from the Cowboys, that's what I want the Packers to do. Yeah. I don't care if you get burned sometimes. Yeah. Create big plays, please. Okay? Yeah. Guess what? If you give up a 70-yard touchdown instantly, guess who gets to walk onto the field now? Jordan Love. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> and their defense... If you give up quick touchdowns, their that defense, means yes. their defense didn't get enough rest. Okay? It's kind of a win-win situation. I, I just love that style of defense. Yeah. I think it's great. All right, Tanner, what's your, what's your bright spot yeah. for the Cowboys? I thought for sure you were taking this down, bro. My bright spot is Brandon Audrey, dude. Their kicker, like this dude, he is, was outstanding. Not wait, they, uh, not not Aubrey. Aubrey. Aubrey, yeah, Aubrey. Not, Did I say Audrey? You said Audrey. Uh, I mean Audrey. Yeah. What'd you say? Not Tony Pollard. Should anyway. Yeah, it's Brandon. Did, did he Bloody. end up missing a kick at some point in the season? Yeah, so he missed two. He missed two. His, okay. Yeah, so he broke the record and like making twenty eight in a row. But the crazy <laughs> thing is, like. Okay, 28 in a row is already crazy, okay? But he broke the record in Philly by hitting a 60 and a 59-yarder, bro. Yeah, that's nuts. (laughs) Like, he finished up with 94% hitting 36 out of 38. That's crazy. So, like, yeah, like, it's just, man, it's so insane. Like, this dude is 100% the bright spot. And the only reason that, like, I would not have said... Jerome Bland, the one that Jerome Bland, is that his name? Jerome Bland? Yeah. yeah. The only yeah. reason that I wouldn't have, because I thought about him, the only reason I wouldn't have said him is how much he got just absolutely blistered against the Seahawks. <laughs> like the Seahawks, bro, made him look like he was a literally a third string corner. Like yeah. it was that bad. So like which any he's any good not, offense, like any good offense should do that. It, exactly. But to me, it on it like watching him play look like he was if he's not getting interceptions or he's not getting pick sixes, he honestly looks like a liability if he's oh not. of course so, so he, that's so he looked like that's, Tra- he looked like Trayvon Diggs yeah <laughs> Tra- I, I would still say Trayvon Diggs is better than him okay I, I would I, still say okay. that yes. but Trayvon Diggs will get blistered because he goes yeah. he he bites on the first move one one hundred percent so like. I would still say Trayvon Diggs is a much better corner than Deron Bland. But if we're being realistic, a lot of luck goes into that to into that record. True. Like he broke it halfway through the season. Like a lot of luck has to go through that. We we're we're kind of trashing on Trayvon Diggs and Deron Bland for biting on that first move all the time. I don't think that's really an individual thing. I think that's just the way they're coached, man. It's just because it, even whenever we ha- we saw Stephon Gilmore against the Packers, Stephon Gilmore was doing the same thing. Yeah, he I mean, he he bought on that first move by Romeo Dobbs. The Romeo Dobbs ended up having twenty yard separation. You remember what I'm talking about? Kind of that cross. He he faked like he was doing the crossing, and Stephon Diggs undercut him. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he turns around and goes upfield. So I, I think that's more of a defensive scheme. Like they're just they're all just biting, biting, biting. They're just going for it. And you're, I mean, yeah, and you can get burned doing that yeah. for sure. All right, Ben, what's your dark spot for the Cowboys? Oh, I thought I was going. Oh, oh, is that your? Oh, oh, I thought it was your dark spot. My bad. Okay, what's your dark spot, Tanner? Like, okay, I have many dark spots that I want to say. Many dark. I'll stick to one. We're already running. We're, yeah, we're, we need but 
the biggest dark spot has got to be Dak Prescott. Really? Because yes, has got to be Dak Prescott. Okay. And I say that because of how bad he played against the Packers. Okay. Just one game. Like, I mean, yeah, but it's not just one game. It's his overall playoffs in general. Okay. Like he just does not step up in the big games, bro. He just doesn't. And like, look, I'm a big Dak Prescott fan. Okay. I am. Like, I'm a big Dak Prescott fan. Okay. But if you go back and watch how he's played, he just, I'm sorry, man. Like, I have to say Dak Prescott because I do not trust him when it comes to playoff time in the big game. Literally, when the Packers were up 7 0, Dak Prescott legit looked scared, bro. He looked like he did not want to go on the field. And just his decision making, the interceptions that he was throwing, these weren't tip passes that turned into an interception. These were awful decisions that he was making. So, like, it's a dark spot in the aspect of if you are a Cowboys fan and you look at the totality of his career in playoff games, I don't understand how you can look at Dak Prescott and wonder if he is the guy that can take you to a Super Bowl and win you that game because he has not shown it. So it's got it's got to be Dak Prescott, and I'm saying that from a totality standpoint. Right. Okay. I, I think there's only one quarterback in the NFL right now that could have taken that team to the Super Bowl, and it's Patrick Mahomes, just because he basically had Will similar Lewis. team to the. Cowboys. The Chiefs and the Cowboys have very similar teams right now, if we're being honest. I think the Cowboys got way more weapons than the than the, I would agree with that. And the Chiefs do. They don't they can't even though I'm not a CD Lamb fan, the Chiefs do not have a CD. Right. The Chief the Chiefs defense is a little bit better also. I think the Cowboys have three receivers that are better than any receiver on the Chiefs. I would give you that, but yeah. Well, I'm including Travis Kelsey in the receiving court. But anyways. Since Tanner just also threw me just a soft touch, soft toss pitch here, I'm gonna. I got you, bro. Yeah, I'm gonna hit a grand slam and go with the biggest problem that they've had for years, which is Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is the dark spot of the Cowboys, one hundred percent. And it's because dude is trying to be owner, GM, head coach. Quarterback, he's, he's trying to be every single aspect of this team, Recorder. and he needs to just, in the nicest way possible, go to a retirement home. That's what he needs to do. Lord have mercy. I mean, in the nicest way possible. He's got enough money. He can afford one of those super nice ones that take great care of him. But he just needs to be there. This dude would retire on his yacht, bro. Like, I don't... mean, um. I I just don't think his time to be an owner is behind him. He's still stuck in the 90s whenever they were actually good. So is every Cowboys fan. They're still stuck <laughs> in the 90s when they were actually good. Maybe next year will be your year, though. Maybe next year. <laughs> you know, every year I get reminded on how much Tennessee volunteer fans and Cowboys fans have in common. They are so similar, man. It's the Tennessee fans are already saying next year, and it's not even close. It's it's funny, man. They're very, very, very similar. All right. As shocking as it is, there aren't a whole lot more dark spots for me to choose from. 
<laughs> like that, that's the crazy thing. It feels like the Cowboys are so bad, but then like you say Jerry Jones, and I knew I was taking yours. Like there's really not a whole lot to look. But I'm gonna say Mike McCarthy. Yeah, and I actually think Mark McCarthy did pretty decent this year. But the the reason why it's a dark spot is I think this is his peak. Like this is the best he can do. I I, I think this is. This is the top of the mountain for Mike, Mike McCarthy. It doesn't get any better than this season. And if this is the best it gets, then why do you have him as your coach? That kind of that kind of the way I view it. I, I have three other dark spots that, about the Cowboys. Well, we don't have time to hear. So anyway, next team up, Rams. Bright spot for the Rams. Go ahead. Did you just? Oh, it's Puka Nakua, one hundred percent. Well, I, I'm supposed to go first uh, here. Sorry, go ahead. Hello, go ahead. Wow. Okay. You didn't, I thought you were pointing at me because you didn't say anything. But lucky, well, I was looking at Ben because he acted like he tore his ACL or something. I actually really do think I did something to my knee because it hurts really bad. So we'll talk about it later. David Bach. Is this supposed to have that knot like right there? Okay. That's just my kneecap. That's called being too your skinny. Your kneecap shouldn't be on the left side of your knee, bro. That's just the left side of my knee, bro. Go ahead. That's my knee. Go ahead. Go ahead. Can I speak? Yes, you can speak. I'm going to leave Puka for one of you guys. I'm going to go take... I want the other dude. You take Puka. I'm taking... No, I don't know if you're talking about the no. other dude or not, but I'm talking... I'm going to take this dude. I'm taking Kyron Williams. <laughs> I Like, Kyron Williams, as much as nobody saw Puka Nakua coming, I think Kyron Williams was even more yeah. a surprise. Kyron Williams, dude... Because, look, I think this offense could have been really, really good without Puka Nakua this year if Cooper Cup is healthy. Now, Cooper Cup wasn't healthy a good portion of the year, so they needed Puka. But if Cooper Cup is out there, I don't know if you really necessarily have to have Puka, but having Kyron Williams there, it gives some balance to that offense that they desperately need. They desperately need a running back to give some sort of threat to the defense, and Kyron Williams gave them that, and he gave some crazy valuable production that was super valuable to this team, and they needed every ounce of it. So good for Kyron Williams. Good for making a name for himself. I had never heard his name before this season. So good for him, then, and good for the Rams. That's my bright spot. Well, you, Ben? I want to... I wanted him. To be I'm sorry. I don't want to take Puka Nakua. I feel like Tanner's so excited to take Puka. Okay, There's some other bright spots you can choose there. I, I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford. Yeah, actually. One. Yep. Just because, like, the dude is, what, is he over, he's over 40 now, no, right? No, he's 38, something like that. Okay, he he's still old. Yeah, he's, he's old, he's up for yeah. sure. And dude just continues to ball out continues to get hurt over and over again and then just continues to not care about it and still balls out. Yeah. Like, I mean, the first or not the first play, the game they had right before the playoffs, dude was literally looked like Patrick Mahomes, like throwing sidearms on the run, like just no look, then middle of the field, perfect accuracy. Just like dude was making unbelievable plays. And to be doing that, at this stage of his career is just insane. Now, it does help when you have Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, but there's also something to be said about him being the quarterback for those two guys also. Because Cooper Cup wasn't doing that before Matthew Stafford got there. And obviously, Puka Nakua is a rookie, but no one really thought, like, no one knew who Puka Nakua was before he started falling out. Like, he was a fifth-round draft pick or fourth? Right. Yeah, he, nobody really knew who Cooper Cup was either. Yeah, and then, like, everyone thought that 
who was the wide receiver one for them the year that Stafford got there before Cup exploded? It was supposed to be the dude from the Bears, Allen Robinson. Yeah, everyone thought Allen Robinson was about to be the dude, and then he did absolutely nothing, and Cooper Cup exploded. And Matthew Stafford just has a way of making his receivers produce. Like, if you're a receiver with Matthew Stafford, if you're decent, you're going to be, you're going to get stacked. And if you're amazing, you're going to be one of the best receivers in the league. Like, that's just how Matthew Stafford runs. So, my bright spot is Matthew Stafford. I like it. I like it. All right, Tanner. Yeah, so my bright spot obviously has got to be Puka. It's got to be Puka because he's just, Nobody saw Puka coming. I am really, really looking forward to next season. If Matt Stafford can stay healthy, seeing what they can do with a full year, knowing what Puka can do, and obviously knowing what Cooper Cup can do, and Tyler Higby and Carter and all of that, just seeing what that Rams offense looks like next year. I am super excited to see giving Sean McVay a full year to game plan around those pieces, I believe this offense can be a top five offense in the entire NFL next year. Like, maybe a top three. Like, it has that kind of firepower. It can genuinely be a powerhouse. I truly believe that. So, yeah, that's it's got to be pretty good. Yeah, I can't disagree with that at all. Puka was awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I don't know where... Big, big. I mean, and you just watch him play, dude. Like, he's a beast, bro. He's a beast. Yeah, big time. Yeah. All right. Dark spot for the Rams, Tanner. Dark spot has got to be. I'm gonna say their defense, but definitely their secondary from a sweat. Now I say defense because Aaron Donald's getting older. They got to start looking. I mean, you know, once Aaron Donald retires, I mean. That's their entire, I don't want to say that's their entire defensive line, but Aaron Donald in itself is 70% of their defensive line. And just from a ranking standpoint, they finished 20th in total defense. They finished in the 20s in pass defense. They did finish in the top 10 in rush defense. I'm pretty sure it was around like 10 to 12 in rush defense. So the rush defense is still there from an offensive line standpoint, but the the defense has got to be a a massive point of view this offseason trying to get better because if they come in and even when they won the Super Bowl their defense was legit their defense was fantastic yeah. obviously Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup was pretty much the focal point of the entire offense but their defense was still good so they've got to fix their secondary they've got to fix their pass defense and they've got to start really focusing on defensive line and replacing Aaron Donald for the future. So I would say their pass defense has got to be probably the downside for the Rams this year. Okay. What's the dark side for the Rams, Ben? Or dark spot? I'm going to specifically say Aaron Donald. And the reason why is because he had a good season, but... He had talks of retiring like after they won the Super Bowl. And then he stayed to try to win the Super Bowl one more year. And then now he's just another year in. So that the threat of linging retirement, I feel like does weigh on a team, whether you think it does or not. And if you 
if you're just like, hey, I'm going to retire. Hey, I'm going to retire. Hey, I'm going to retire. Like at some point, the guys are just like, dude, either do it or stop talking about it. Like either be gone or shut your mouth and play football. Like so I feel like that's just a big distraction almost is like, hey, I'm going to retire. Oh, no, I'm going to play. Hey, I'm going to retire. Oh, no, I'm going to play. And like I get having that mental debate, especially at like 32 and having won a Super Bowl already. Like he feels like he's accomplished what he needs to. Everyone knows who Aaron Donald is. Like he's one of the best defensive tackles in the league, or technically he's an end, but I mean, he got he can switch back and forth. But so either just retire or stop talking about it. And like if you want to have those discussions, have it with the front office like privately. Don't publicly air it out and then just not do anything. So that that's pretty much all I have on it. It's like as far as his on the field play, dude is still an animal. So my dark spot for the Rams is gonna be the offensive line. I thought they ever since they won the Super Bowl. I cannot remember the big offensive lineman's name that retired. Uh, yeah, it starts with a V or something. Yeah, anyway, right. ever, ever since they won the Super Bowl, that next year the offensive line was abysmal, and even this year their offensive line was really, really bad. Matthew Stafford just keeps getting hurt because the offensive line cannot hold up. He just keeps getting hit nonstop. I, and that that's the biggest dark spot for them, in, in my opinion. It's impressive that Kyron Williams did what he did this year because I, I truly think the offensive line is not good. And Kyron Williams still bowled out. So that, that I just I don't see any bigger issue for the Rams than that offensive line. I think that's the biggest issue. All right, next team up, the Eagles. Bright spots for the Eagles. This one's going to be tough. All right. For me, I even though some people might say that they had a little, a little below expectations this year, I still have to say the offensive line is their biggest bright spot for this past season. Moving forward, that may be a little different. But for this past season, I think that the the brightest spot was that offensive line. They still just move people at will. The tush push, the brotherly shove, whatever you want to call it, they're the only team that can do it as consistently as they did because they that wedge that they do is just it's unstoppable. There's just nothing you can do about it unless you grab Jalen Hurts' face mask and pull him backwards. Then there's something you can do about it. But anyway, the offensive line, I think that's the the best best part of that team this past year. Man, what's their bright spot? Their bright spot is a trade that they made with the type <laughs> to acquire a certain guy, not not by the name of Kevin Byer, the, the name of A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown was still their bright spot. He was last year, and he still was this year. And then the reason, like, I'm going to kind of give away a little bit of a dark spot as well, but the reason... We weren't talking about how bad the Eagles were all season, especially on defense, was because A.J. Brown was so good that we didn't even notice that the Eagles were giving up that many points the whole time. It was just I like, really didn't think A.J. Brown had a great year this year. He did. He played good. He did. I mean, I, I don't think he put up much stat. He didn't have very many big games. I mean, I had him in fantasy, and he didn't have very many big games. I know that. But I, mean, I don't think he did bad. I, I just don't think that nobody on that team had as much success as they have in the past. But Tanner, what about you? What's your bright spot? My bright spot may be controversial, but 
the only bright spot truly I can feel like I can give to the Eagles is the tush push play Spitzer. <laughs> like legend. It's the tush push. That is their bright spot because that is the one play they could pull out at any time that they're going to give, they're going to get yards. I mean, they should have done the, that well, the entire offense. Yeah, literally, like going back to you, it's an offensive line thing. It's a Jason Kelsey thing. Even though Jason Kelsey went through his family, he was getting flagged because of it. Like most of those flags were not. It is true. legitimately the tush push. Like that is their bright spot because they found a secret weapon that most defenses are going to spend an entire offseason, especially in the NFC, like in the NFC. Not really, like, not because Jason Kelsey's not there anymore. So no, he's already said he's coming. Oh, I thought, he said, I thought he said he's retiring. Didn't he say he's retiring? I don't know. I thought he said he was retiring. I've seen both. I've seen he's retiring, and then I've seen that he doesn't know yet. I don't know. Okay. I've seen both. I, I think he's going to Interesting. I don't know. I think he may run it back one more year, personally. I'm not sure, though. But anyway, yeah, so I don't I don't know. Like, that, that was their big bright spot. I want to say A.J. Brown personally, because A.J. Brown is still a beast, and you can definitely tell a massive difference when he's in the lineup versus when he's not on the field. You can tell a difference in the offense, 100%. He is that much of a weapon. It's kind of like a Tyreek Hill type. Literally like a Tyreek Hill right. offensive scheme. You can tell to that extent. But I've got to give it to the tush push just because that play was that unstoppable. Yeah. All right, dark spot. And this is obvious, but you you have to say they're secondary. Like, it, it is that bad to that extent. Like, you don't go from a top-five secondary to one of the worst statistical secondaries. And personally, I I completely disagree with men from the Kevin Byard standpoint. Because I'm sorry, dude, after he was traded... Ben didn't say anything about Kevin Byard. I thought you said Kevin, or were you joking? He was talking about A.J. Brown. I was just trying to make that Kevin Byard. I was just trying to make you more bad. That was a joke. Okay, okay, I was about to say. But like even after the Kevin Byard trade, the defense looked worse to me after the Kevin Byard trade. I was the one trying to tell you all that that wasn't the worst trade. Legitimately, like I know this is another topic. It kind of looks like Rand Carthon literally fleeced the Eagles 100%. That's possible. It does. That's possible, but I'm not going to say that just because the defense was so bad that I don't think we can blame Kevin Byard for being. I don't think Kevin Byard could have done anything. But I'm sorry. I get that really quick. I get that, but so was the Titans. True. But yeah, I mean, I, I, both teams. Whether Kevin Byard was on the Titans or he was on the Eagles, he couldn't fix it. Sorry, I legitimately say the Titans defense was better than <laughs> I legitimately think the Titans defense was better than the Eagles. I really do. I'm not saying I really do. But anyway, like I you have to say they're secondary because I have never seen, unless there's something I'm not remembering, I have never seen such a defensive decline like I've seen from a team. Last year to this year, I, and it's if you're telling me, what? Well, yeah, okay. I'm I'm just gonna say it, like literally, because they lost their defensive coordinator last year that they had. And the if you're te- if you're telling me a defensive coordinator makes that big of a difference, they lost both coordinators. Literally, bro. Like, jump. Like, see, this happened dude. to the Eagles in their last run to a Super Bowl as well. Whenever they went to the Super Bowl the last time they won with Nick Foles, they lost both coordinators, and then their team fell apart after that. 
And then it happened this past year. They make it to the Super Bowl, lose, lose their coordinators, and then their team falls apart after that. It's interesting with the Eagles. I kind of still have, I kind of still feel like they're going to make the playoffs next year. I kind of feel like they're going to recover mm-hmm. a little bit, but maybe not. They might not. I, uh, All right, Ben, what's their dark spot? I think their dark spot is a little bit deeper than most teams, and I think it's organizationally. And the reason I say that is because the offense and defensive coordinators, like, if losing those people hurts you that much, then, like, I get that offense and defense coordinator both are big parts of your team. But at some point, the head coach has to just be accountable for that. And the head coach has to know other guys to bring in also. The head coach's job, yes, is like to have his offense and defense coordinator set. But he also has to do scouting on other offense and defense coordinators that, hey, if these guys are as good as I think they are, they're probably going to get jobs somewhere else. So I need to be already scouting my next guys. And I just... I don't think the owner's doing that. I don't think the GM's doing that. I don't think the head coach is doing that. I think, like, if they lose their guys, they're just completely out the water and they're out the draw. And pulling your defensive coordinator off of the field and putting him in a press box, like, what? What? A lot of, a lot of defensive coordinators. I know, but I'm saying, like, I don't think that's going to help you because what he was calling defensive plays on the sideline. And then they had someone else call defensive plays, so he went and sat in the box. But clearly it wasn't like they just completely screwed the schemes up completely. And apparently those two, from what I've heard, is the two coordinators that they were switching back and between before had two completely different styles of defenses that they wanted their yeah, guys to play. That's so, and like, you just can't ask an already struggling defense to just flip back and forth between two different schemes. Like, it's just, it's not going to work. So, I think it's an organizational problem. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. My my dark spot's going to have to be Jalen Hurts. Just, I think I think the NFL defenses have started playing him a little differently, and he needed to adjust a little bit this year to the way the defenses were playing him, and he didn't adjust, and it looked rough out there a lot of the time. He's the best in the world at the tush push but he needs to be able to do some other things and he just man it just the the offense just did not look smooth at all and and Jalen Hurts just didn't look comfortable he didn't look he didn't look like he was fully grasping what was going on as far as these offensive play calls especially it's the passing the ball it just things were off they like the timing with the receivers were off everything was off and I think the defenses, the NFL defenses have started playing him differently. And maybe he can adjust to it going forward next year, maybe. But this year it didn't look good. So that has to be my dark spot. Okay. I believe we've gotten through all the playoff teams. Let me double check real quick. Yes, we got through all the playoff teams. All right. Now, next team up. Bright spot for the Seahawks. For me, for the Seahawks, bright spot this past year. Man, it's kind of a tough one for me. Probably going to take kind of a cheap way out and just say D- DK Metcalf again. I mean, I mean, he didn't really do any more than I expected this year, but he didn't drop off either. Uh, and then 
defenses still just focus on him like crazy, and he still balls out and makes big plays. What game was it that we were watching where the last drive, whenever they had, they didn't have Geno Smith then, they had Drew Locke. Yeah, Drew Locke. What game was that where that last drive where they made all those insane catches back to back to back? Who were they playing against? Do you guys know? I don't remember, but that was Jackson Smith and Jigba. That wasn't DK. No, Jackson Smith and Jigba made the catches, but DK made multiple on that drive. Multiple huge catches on that drive is what I'm talking about. I cannot remember who that was. I think it might have been against the Eagles. I'm looking at their schedule right now, week 15 against the Eagles. I think that may have been who it was. But anyway, regardless, DK Metcalf still makes big-time plays. I And I honestly don't have a lot of bright spots for the Seahawks, so I kind of feel like I have to go with him. I I don't know how they ended up with a winning record, to be honest with you. I really don't think the Seahawks were good this year, but that's my that's my bright spot, DK Metcalf. Ben, what's your bright spot? I'm going to take the two reasons that they had a winning record this year and go with their young corners and yeah. Tariq Woolen and Devon Witherspoon. Those Tariq Woolen balled out last year as a third round pick. Like, dude, did he didn't come out of nowhere because everyone knew he had the height and speed to be legit but he was better than people thought he would be. And then Devon Witherspoon was as advertised. I mean, he was just locked down as well. So they had it. They had a top three corner duo in the league after their secondary was basically completely shot two years ago. So, and to have a best, to go from completely shot to at least top three cor- corner duo in the league is fantastic. So that's, yeah. that would be my bright spot for the Seahawks. Okay. All right, Tanner, bright spot for the Seahawks. Yeah, so Ben totally took mine. So I'm going to have to go Jackson Smith and Jigma because I think he's shown, even though we kind of had a draw problem this year, I think he's shown enough to where a couple of years, I legitimately think you could be able to consider him or put him in the conversation of a top five receiver. Like, he's that shifty. He's that much of a big playmaker. And not as much. Geno Smith kind of let me down a little bit this year. I was expecting more from Geno Smith this year after what I saw from him last year. So, I'm not as much of a massive Geno Smith fan as I was after last year. So, I think, I'm not going to say a quarterback change. But if you can possibly bring maybe the Geno or a better Geno or just a better quarterback in to play with that trio. They've already got him. DJ Jackson. Do you really think Drew like, Locke is that guy? I think Drew Locke. I don't know if he's like the hero, but I think he's better. He than, did look good. when He's he better than Geno. He did look good. You mean like Ryan Tannehill? <laughs> I hope the Seahawks get Ryan Tannehill. No, they, they won't. Ryan Tannehill is going to the Steelers. But anyway, continue. Tannehill. Anyway. Yeah, if you can bring, whether it's Drew Locker, you have another guy, and you put him in that offense with that trio of receivers and Jigma, DK, and Tyler Lockett, it can be special. You, you need, it can 100% be special. You need somebody that's going to be a little bit of a gunslinger and just yeah. give those playmakers a chance. Yeah, and Drew Locker is that guy. Yeah. He's that guy. I agree. So I agree. So, yeah, I've got to say, I've got to say Jackson Smith. Okay. All right. Dark spot for the Seahawks. I will say I don't have the stats to back this up personally because I am a big stats guy, as you guys know. But I would have to say their offensive line from just what I've seen because a couple of the Seahawks games that I really kind of zoned in on, especially against the Cowboys, their offensive line was struggling. 
a little bit. So I would, like I said, I don't have the stats to back it up. Or did I watch a ton of Seahawks games this year? No, I didn't, just to be straight up about it. But I will say what I saw, I would say their offensive line, because Gino was running for his life a couple of times in this game. So I would say whether you have Gino or whether you have Drew Locke, I would focus in on the offensive line. I would say that's probably a dark spot of what I've seen this year. Fair. Man, dark spot. To be honest, I thought he was going to go with Geno Smith, and I am not going to take Geno Smith, though. I'm going to take one that kind of hurts my heart just because I had more expectations for this guy. I'm going with Tyler Lockett. I feel like this was mostly a product of not having great quarterback play, but I really just didn't see a lot out of Tyler Lockett this year. And I thought, like, I knew that Jack Smith and Jigbo coming in would take some targets, but actually in Jigba didn't have as big a role as I thought. And in Jigba not having that big of a role, I would feel like Tyler Lockett would step up even more. And I really just didn't see it that much. I feel like Tyler Lockett needs that quarterback that's gonna give him deep yeah passes though. Geno Smith isn't really that guy. That I it was probably a product of quarterback play. I will say that. But I love Tyler Lockett and my personal opinion of Tyler Lockett is that he is just a. I think he's a superstar player. I really do. Yeah, but he's getting older now. Yeah, he's awesome. I do. And agree. he he just didn't show that this year. And whether it was quarterback or not, like I just thought he was going to have a better year than he did. So my dark spot is not. It's not really a dark spot moving forward because he's gone now. But I'm going to go with Pete Carroll, and not a Pete Carroll as a whole. I'm talking about specifically how passive he is when it comes to like fourth down play calling, going for two, that kind of stuff. He is so passive. He just will not go forward on fourth down. He's always going to kick the field goal. He's always going to punt the ball. He's so, so, it doesn't matter whether they need to get six inches. He's not going for it. He's just going to punt it. And that's frustrating that he's still, I mean, he, I know he's old. He's really old, but he still calls football games as if it's 1991. And it's just, we've gone way past that, bro. Okay, move on. And so, anyway, that's probably the biggest dark spot for the whole season for me. Next team up is the Saints, also with a 9-8 and eight record. Bright spot for me for the Saints. I Man. <laughs> is, is there one? How'd they get, how'd they get a winning record? I, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Gosh, man, I, I, I've got to go Chris Olave. I, I don't, Brandon. even Chris Olave didn't have as good of a year as I expected, but I still think he's the bright spot of the team. I think he is just that good. I think he's awesome. Even with as a bad of a year as, as they had, uh, Chris Olave still had multiple plays this year that just blew people's minds. How, how big of a, how great of a play he made. So I've got to go Chris Olave, but there really is not very many bright spot options. I'm interested to see what you guys say. I got, I've got the best bright spot off. Okay. Don't take it. Don't take it. Jameis Winston. <laughs> I'm just saying, that, that dude's pregame speeches would have me running through a brick wall, dude. <laughs> I, and if I'm a receiver, I want that guy as my quarterback. I'll tell you that right now. Because dude is just going to throw the ball up and make me go get it. And I... I <laughs> It's so entertaining, man. Uh, it's just so, like, oh, 
that was that was partially a joke, but that's actually who I'm going with because of that reason. Like Jameis Winston just has that energy about him that's just like, yeah, I'll play football for this guy. Like I'll I'll do that. Let's go out there and see what happens. A lot of fun, man. So that that's my answer. Jameis Winston is awesome. <laughs> All right, Tanner. We go ahead, Tanner. <laughs> take back to something, man. Well, I got to take Marshawn Lattimore because he's the only quarter in, corner in the NFL that can rake somebody on the field and get away with it, bro. Like, everybody that he guards in the seat, like, he is all over them all game. Like, LaSauce Gardner a lot of times. Lasa- yeah, it's LaSauce Gardner. But I got to take, take Marshawn Lattimore. Okay. Because literally my two that I were going to pick, you guys took. So. All right. All right, well, now you get an easier spot. Yes. Dark, dark spot, what do you got? I'm taking this one because I called. It's Derek Carr, bro. Like, are you... I literally said at the beginning of the year, and y'all called me crazy, Derek Carr is not the guy, bro. He's not the guy. And you guys literally called me crazy because of all the weapons that he would have around him. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's nothing against Derek Carr, bro. It's nothing. I like Derek Carr. Great guy off the field, on the field, like... Good guy, okay? But he's not the guy that can lead you on the run that the Saints need with all the weapons they have around him. He's just not the guy. Yeah, I have to choose Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so, because I literally tried to tell you guys at the beginning of the you year, did. and y'all didn't listen to me. You did. You did. All right, Ben, what's your, what's your dark spot? I honestly don't really know. Other than Derek Carr, like I don't know what went wrong for them this season. Like, even watching their games, like, I was like, what? So, something's wrong, and I don't know what it is. Is And it's not even Alvin Kamara either, because he, he did good enough from when he was on the field. I, I guess their offensive coordinator, which, I mean, he already got fired, but to have the pieces that you do on offense and with the quarterback that I believed Derek Carr to be at least, to believe to be like I just don't know how you don't make that work and he didn't just not make it work it was bad like yeah it was just bad so my dark spot I think Ben was kind of along the right lines when he he was trying to figure out like what's wrong he doesn't know what it is what my dark spot is what I think it was is I think it's just overall team chemistry I don't. I don't think the guys really liked each other. I don't. Jameis think- Winston couldn't even bring this team together. Well, Jameis Winston was in there. It seemed like the chemistry was better. I, I will say that, but it it just seemed like they didn't want to. They didn't like each other. They just they they were never on the same page. They just they they weren't going home playing video games with each other. I'll tell you that right now. That wasn't happening. But yeah, I I just I just felt like the team chemistry was just never ever there the whole the whole season. I just don't think it existed. Yeah. All right. Next team up is Tanner's favorite, the Vikings. My bright spot for the Vikings. Do you want the easy one, Ben? You mean yes? Yeah. Because I called. Okay, I'm gonna leave it for you. I'm gonna say the little short span that they that Josh Dobbs was in there, bro. I think that that was a lot of fun. I I, I thought that was really cool, yeah. and I I think they benched him too early. I I think he deserved a little more leeway than what he was given there. I don't understand the point of training for him and then immediately benching him after one game. Like yeah. That. Well, he played he one, one, but he had one bad game. Yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah, I, I I don't know why they benched him anyway. But I I do think that that's the bright spot for me. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Even as a Packers fan, I thought the Vikings were fun to watch. It was inter- it was interesting, entertaining, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool. All right, Ben, you take the easy bright I, spot here. I'm taking the easy bright spot and Jordan Addison because shoot, not Stephon Diggs. Why am I thinking Stephon Diggs? Justin Justin Jefferson. Jefferson thank you. Justin Jefferson goes down, and was it the first game or the second game? Probably the second game. It was yeah. early. It was early. He went down, or it might have even been the third game. Uh, I know they were like 0-2, 0-3, and then Justin Jefferson goes down. Everyone's like, oh, no, the Viking season is over. And then, boom, Jordan Addison just onto the spotlight, completely takes over, and they win. They go on a multiple-game win streak. Kirk Cousin goes down. Oh, no, the season's over. Joshua Dobbs comes in. Jordan Addison's still doing good. And then Justin Jefferson comes back. Man, this is about to be electrifying. Justin Jefferson's back. Now we have Jordan Addison. Justin Jefferson completely just outshadows Jordan Addison. Doesn't let Jordan Addison do anything. (laughs) That dude has like two targets the rest of the year. Just insanity. Give that dude the ball. You win games. Don't give the ball to that guy. And you lose games. That's pretty much that simple. So, all right, Tanner, what's your bright spot? Yeah, I don't have any. I should have. I should have went with Cam Akers and gave you Jordan Addison because Cam, Cam Akers, whenever he came in, what that was a fun time too. He he played really well for them. Yeah. Dang it! I can't remember. I want to say Kevin Stefanski, but I know that's not his name. CJ. Yeah. Kevin Stefanski's on the brown. No. CJ. CJ. Dadgummit. Why can I not remember what his name is? Dadgummit. Kevin O'Connell. That's right. I guess I'll probably have to give a nod to Kevin O'Connell, honestly, because with how disastrous this season was, I do think that he did do a good job of keeping the team together in some aspect offensively. Like, with what he was able to do with Josh Dobbs, with yeah. especially what he was able to do with Jordan Addison. Like, that was... Mm-hmm. I did not see that coming, 100%. Especially with kind of Alexander Madison being a bust as well. Like, I, I've got to give a nod to, to Kevin O'Connell, man. Yeah. Because, like, especially with all they had to go through in the season, this season was not on Kevin O'Connell. Like, there was just a lot that happened. So, yeah. I, th- I think I'll give a nod to Kevin O'Connell here. It's a good pick. All right, dark spot for the Vikings, Tanner. I would personally say, well, all right, man. I, I've got to, I've got to be realistic. I lo- absolutely love this guy, man. Like, love him on the field. I love him off the field. But even when he was starting, man, he still didn't really impress me because of the turnovers. I've got to say, Kirk Cousins, man. Honestly. I, I don't really feel like that's taking an easy way out because of how yeah. excited I was for Kirk Cousins. Like I'm I'm genuinely disappointed in right. how he played this season. Like genuinely. There. Because like I said, man, coming off last season with how they done, you know, I, I mean, he he played great last season. And it's just it was such a one eighty, man. Such a one eighty, especially with the weapons they had. Like I know that Jordan Addison kind of hadn't stepped into Jordan Addison when Kirk Cousins was there because he was injured, you know, pretty early in the season. He but like he that. still looked pretty good. So I, 
I don't know. I've, I've got to say Kirk Cousins, man, as much as it pains me. Nothing against him, man, because I love, love Kirk Cousins. Everything about him on the field, off the right. field, how outspoken he is about his faith. I'm, I'm a massive Kirk Cousins fan, man, but I've got to be, I've got to be honest, man. He really did disappoint me this season. All right, man. Dark spot. We got, we got paper paint a little bit here. All right. I would love to say their future, but we're talking about future in a different episode. So I'm going to go with another obvious one. Sorry, the one for the Vikings are pretty obvious. And Alexander Madison, the years that he was backing up Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook goes down, Alexander Madison comes in, looks great. Looks like Dalvin Cook is still on the field. It's like, whoa, why is this dude not a starting running back somewhere? He's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. Finally gets his chance. Dalvin Cook is gone. Alexander Madison's time to shine. He's got two fancy weapons on the outside and TJ Hawkinson at tight end. A capable quarterback, a good head coach. He's ready to go, and he just sucks. Flat out just as bad. Like Dang, there, bro. It, it wasn't like he was just bad at blocking. It wasn't like he was bad at running. It wasn't like he was bad at like finding holes. He, he was just he was bad at all of it. He was just awful. Like watching him play, it was like, please get this guy off the field and put a no name running back that no one has ever heard of before in their life into this game. Please. Like just get him off the field. Yeah. So I agree with that. It's tough to come up with any more dark spots other than those. But I'm just gonna say the whole team and the season as a whole, I think uh, similar to like the Lions, but this is even more so for the Vikings. I think this was the Vikings' last chance in this little run, like with Kirk Cousins, to win the division. And even then, I don't think anybody really expected what happened with the Lions this year to happen. So not only are the Packers already on their way back, but I would like to say that I yeah expected said what happened Lions this year, but the Lions looked awesome too so it kind of seems like the vikings run at chances of winning the division is kind of over i think it's kind of done I, I think this was the last year that it looked like you could do it and now it looks like it's over now you got to compete with the packers and the lions not the bears so the bears still suck but but you're competing with the lions and the packers now like it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough going forward next team up is i just said they suck i can't believe they're this high up the standings the bears I, I cannot believe they're that this this high up. They finished seven and ten. Bryce fought for the Bears. <laughs> I actually have. I actually have. I have one. I I'm actually, taking yours. Do what? I'm taking yours. Don't it, man. Don't do it to me, bro. Bryce fought for the Bears. Oh man, I can't believe Brennan didn't immediately take this on. A don't do. He it. still might. Don't do it to. Me. I'm trying to come up with something, man. Don't do it to me. Don't do it to me. Dude, oh, who is the linebacker they traded for midseason? I can't remember his name, but he actually helped. You mean the defensive lineman? Was he a defensive lineman? Yeah, from the Commanders. Yeah, what's his name? Led their team in sacks. Yeah, shoot, I forgot his name was too. It Sweat. Yeah, Montez Sweat. Montez yeah. Sweat. Montez Sweat is my biggest bright spot. I I thought he played. I I thought he literally made a huge huge difference for that defense. Yeah. I mean, the Montez Sweat. It just went completely untalked about this year. He led the Commanders in sacks, and he led the Bears in sacks. <laughs> he led both teams in sacks. Not not even individually, like not even while he was there. 
Uh, for the whole season, he led two different franchises in sacks. That's crazy. For the whole season. It's crazy. Oh, what a man. Yeah, and, he's awesome. And one of those, he had, shoot, why can't I think of the guy that got traded to the 49ers? Chase Young. Yeah. One of those, he had Chase Young as his teammate and still led that team. Now, granted, Chase Young did also get traded, too, so that helped him there. But still, led two different franchises in sack. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. My very obvious bright spot was the trade that they made. Completely just ripping the Panthers completely off the map. The Panthers aren't even the NFL franchise anymore <laughs> because of the Bears. And, well, it's because of the Panthers. But the Bears had to say yes. So it was the easiest yes of their life. But knowing the Bears, they still find a way to mess that up somehow. So they still probably will find a way to mess this up, even with DJ Moore and the number one overall pick and another good pick. But that trade was fantastic. You got DJ Moore, by far your best producing offensive weapon in general. And then you also now have the number one overall pick in the draft. So that trade was, that is their bright spot. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. Bright spot, Tanner. So go ahead. I took your answer. I'm not saying this guy played good. Okay. Oh boy. Before, I'm not saying this guy played good. Okay. I'm saying he was a bright spot for how he played more the end of the season. And he did make a couple of plays that did impress me. Okay. I will give a little nod to Justin Fields. Okay. I'm not saying he played lights out. I'm not saying he played. I'm not saying that. Okay. What I'm saying is he played better. He played the best football I've seen him play with the Bears the last half of the season. Okay. And even you guys have got to give me that. He did step his game up toward the last half of the season. Not saying that was like he was Patrick Mahomes level. Okay. But he did play better toward the end of the season. Okay. I mean, he literally even had Bears fans saying we want Justin Fields because they know they're drafting Caleb Blue. Well, the Bears fans want Justin Fields because the Bears fans literally have no idea what it's like to have a good quarterback. They don't, they literally don't know. And you think Caleb Williams is going to be no, that guy? No, I don't think so at all. But uh, the, the Bears fans think they're going to trade back to the nine overall pick again and then still get another fantastic weapon. And then they're just going to keep doing that every single year. That's what the Bears fans think. Yeah. But they're delusional. So, but by the way, what I just said is just true. Like, it's just factually true. Bears fans, like, even if you they were, had Jay Cutler, even, like, so, so like, I actually think I I am higher on Jay Cutler than almost anybody. Yeah. But even then, like, he didn't have any actual success. Bears fans have no idea. Literally, if you're a seventy year old Bears fan, if you're seventy years old. You still have no idea what it's like to have a good quarterback. Hey, they, they don't. They don't know. They had Nathan Peterman. <laughs> they know what it's like to have a good quarterback. They've watched Brett Favre. They've watched Aaron Rodgers. Now <laughs> they have to watch Jordan Love. Gosh, they know. Did you get clip of the Super Bowl, like the Super Bowl row, like that the little media row Dude. where people are like all the the radio row on Super Bowl. You know, where there's this podcast where there's this guy that's a Bears fan. He actually has a pretty big podcast. I can't remember the name of the podcast. It's not like was part, it a lot. Was it part, locked on? Part of my take. No, nope, part of my take. Yeah. So that guy that runs that is a Bears fan, and Jordan Love is like walking through Radio Row, and like they're live. He's live doing his show, and as Jordan Love's walking by, he stands up 
goes to shake his hand. And he he shakes Jordan Love's hand. Jordan Love's looking at him. He's like, "Hi, I'm a Bears fan. You're ruining my life." <laughs> what did Jordan say? Jordan just smiled and laughed. I, I know we're trying to get through this, but really quick, uh, since 2012, the Bears have beat the Packers four times. In 12 years, they've beat the Packers four times. It's crazy. The Packers have beat the Bears four times in the past two years. <laughs> yeah. So that's just insane. It's really sorry, sorry, Bears fans. We laugh at your misery. It's just, it's rough. All right, Tanner, dark spot for the Bears. Bro, I've got to say their front office. It's <laughs> a good answer. Because. I know, bro. I look. I know that we're talking this season. They're going to screw that. They're going to take Caleb Williams. They're going to screw this up. Okay. So I've got look. I've got to take their front office, bro. Because if you take a step back and you realize what all they had draft wise, the draft capital, everything, they should be one of the best teams in the entire NFL. Yeah. In one to three years, bro. Like they should be competing for Super Bowls with all they've had. Yeah. So you have to say they're front office fan, even though they totally fleeced the bear, the uh, Panthers and pretty much made them non-existent for the, the next five. Years. The Panthers fleeced themselves. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've got to say they're front office, man. I have to. All right, Ben. Dark spot for the Bears. Dark spot for the Bears is honestly. A little bit harder than it seems like, but I am still going to. Eh, I was gonna go with Justin Fields. I'm gonna go with Darnell Mooney, and part of this was just unrealistic expectations. I feel like for me, I think Darnell Mooney is an awesome wide receiver. I think he's capable of being wide receiver one. Unfortunately for him. He's been on the Bears his entire career. So if there was a chance, it's probably gone now. Unfortunately, the Bears have probably completely ruined that dude. But I remember watching his rookie year, and dude is just running wide open routes and just being overthrown by 10 to 20 yards. And I'm like, dude, watch out. When this guy gets a quarterback, he's going to be legit. And Brandon just laughed in my face. And it was like, First of all, he plays for the Bears. He's never going to be legit because he plays for the Bears. And he was like, second of all, they're not going to get a quarterback. And I was like, oh, no, just wait. I was like, he doesn't even need a really good quarterback. He just needs a quarterback to get him the ball. And Brandon was like, exactly. And uh, Brandon was right. So Darnell Moody just still has not, in his entire career, had a quarterback that can get him the ball. And unfortunately, DJ Moore played a lot better. Also, with a quarterback, they can't get him the ball. So, at some point, I just have to accept that the Bears ruined Darnell Mooney and just move on from my high expectations of Darnell Mooney. It doesn't matter how often I hear it, man. Whenever I hear that I'm right, you know, it, it, it feels really good. Feels really Fraction city over here, <laughs> bro. My dark spot. I am going to go with Justin Fields, and it's not even Justin Fields' fault, really. The, the NFL media and the Bears fans just put unrealistic expectations onto Justin Fields. He's just, he's not capable of the kind of expectations that they put on that guy. He's just not that kind of quarterback. I actually think the kid is a really good kid. I, I think he's, I, 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 seems like a really cool guy. He's just not that great of a quarterback. He's just, he, he still isn't really grasping 
where the rushes are coming from from these defenses. He's not grasping it. So like he's got great legs, obviously, but as far as understanding what the defense is trying to do to him, he's not he's not catching up to it fast enough. He's not he's not understanding this stuff quick enough. And it's just it's getting it's to his detriment, man. I just don't see it working out at, at any point, really. But anyway, next team up. The last, the last teams here, we we don't really have time to go into detail on this stuff. We need to make this quick, okay? Falcons are next up. Bright spot for me for the Falcons is Bijan Robinson. Uh, even though he didn't get on the field that much, he still showed splash and some electricity there that was really fun to watch, and it has some promise. So I, that's my bright spot. What about you, Ben? I don't know. It's really tough. I it's, I mean. My bright spot is honestly probably the other running back, Tyler Algier. And uh, honestly, Bijan is awesome. I love Bijan. You can't keep Tyler Algier off the field. You're whoever's the new offense coordinator or head coach. Like you're gonna have to find a way to get both of those guys on the field. Because even with Kyle Pitts, even with Drake London, I think your two best weapons are in the backfield. Both. I think it's Tyler Algier and Bijan. I'm willing to say Tyler Algier is more of a weapon than Pitts or London. And that's saying a lot. But I really do think Tyler Algier is that great. He had a thousand yard rushing his rookie year. And then they go out and draft a running back who everyone's like, oh, Tyler Algier is going to be irrelevant. And then he comes out and just produces. Honestly, I I think he produced more than Bijan this year. He just just wasn't as flashy with it. Yeah, now, right. Bijan, I think, obviously has more upside and is like a more talented, skilled player. But Tyler Algier just produces. And at the end of the day, the, the yards are what matters. And Algier is the one that gets those yards. So yeah. I, I love Tyler Algier. All right, Tanner, what's your bright spot? Yeah, so mine is a tie between Kyle Pitts and Drake London. I say Kyle Pitts because... He actually had a lot of flashes this year, and his entire this was his best season by far, by far, by far his best season. That's why I said I got to give him a nod because, I mean, I there were literally games I didn't even know he was on the field like the past couple of seasons. Like it it just no effect on the game whatsoever. Drake London, the flashes, the shiftiness, his catching ability, spectacular catching ability. Like it's you know I'm trying to go fast at this, but like Drake Drake London's a beast. My negatives, I'll go ahead and move on. My dark spots, Arthur Smith, 100%, not even close. Like, it, the, the, biggest, the biggest negative I can give Arthur Smith is he did not have Taylor Heineke and a quarterback over Desmond Ritter. If Taylor Heineke is, if Taylor Heineke is the quarterback over Desmond Ritter, they win the division. I truly believe that. I, they win the division. I only think that if Heineke was starting from the very beginning, and I feel like he should have been. Well, even that, I don't know, because the beginning of the season, they started Desmond Ritter. Let's see what we have. Desmond Ritter doesn't pan out. All right, fine. Which, that took way too long. That process took way too long to figure out that he's not the guy. After two games, hey, he's not the guy. Let's get Heineke in there. Mm-hmm. But that, that they didn't put Heineke in until like what six or seven games. No, it, was, season. it was more than yeah. That. It and, was the second half of the season. And then like they throw Heineke in. Heineke, Heineke really didn't impress me that much either. And I hate to say it, he played good for one game, and then after that, he really didn't look that well. But he he didn't have like it wasn't his offense if that makes sense. Like 
I feel like he was yeah. kind of tied down by Arthur Smith. And then th- I love Heineke to death also, but Heineke is the reason that we have Sam Howell, at least for one season. And I feel like Heineke is also the reason that Desmond Ritter played so much is because I feel like Heineke loves being that backup. I actually feel like at this point, he just loves to get money while being the backup quarterback. And honestly, I don't blame him. Like, if I can make the same amount of money and not have to play starting quarterback in the NFL, I would love to do that. That sounds fantastic. So I think he's trying to give those young guys chances and stay in the background. We're spending too much time on the Falcons. What's your dark spot? Okay, that's supposed to be my favorite team. So sorry that I'm spending too much time on them. What do you do on the Titans? Oh, my dark... Sorry, I forgot that I... Desmond Ritter is the dark spot. That's just plain and obvious. It's like, all right, let's 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 see what we have. Okay, this dude sucks bad. He's so bad. And, yeah, that that's just it. It's Desmond Ritter. He was so Yes, My dark spot is it, tough because uh, you all took the two biggest dark spots a bit. Like, there's uh, there's not really much else to say. I, I'll say the defense in general because the defense has got some good – names on it man and it still was pretty bad it was just i mean i kind of expected it i didn't expect it to be great but i expected it to be decent and it, it wasn't anywhere close to being decent next up giants bright spots for the giants for me i'm gonna say just a couple of young receivers that they got have showed promise we they didn't need to be like put up crazy stats this year, but they needed to show that they've got some promise and that basically focusing in on Jalen Hyatt and Wandell Robinson. Wandell Robinson more at the end of the season. He came back from that torn ACL last year. They started to show that they could make some plays, man. And I, I think that they got something good going there with those guys. So get Daniel Jones back. Maybe, maybe you got some maybe you can get some traction going with those guys. I don't know. What about you, Ben? All right. I'm surprised you didn't take this guy. I'm taking Brian Dayball as my bright spot for the Giants. He went 6-11 and without a good bit of his offensive line for most of the year, without his starting quarterback for most of the year, and a lot of his receivers were hurt for a good portion of the year. Dude basically was playing with second stringers in the NFL and still won six games. Third stringers a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. so like... That's just insane. Like, I know you have Saquon still, but Saquon can only do so much behind a awful offensive line with no quarterback and no receivers. And, like, which Wandell was even hurt for a lot of the season, too, wasn't he? Yeah. So, like, their whole team was just completely injured, and dude still found a way to win six games. When Brandon said they were going to have a breakout season this year. Well, I kind of laughed at him. Watch out for the Giants next year, dude. If they get that team fully healthy with Brian Dayball as coaching, like that team could cause a lot of problems next year. So, Tanner, right spot, Giants. Man, you all may not agree with this. I got to give a nod to Jalen Hyatt. Like, because I'm not going to lie. Dude literally had like two catches on the season, bro. No, no, he did not, bro. He didn't have a ton, but he he did make some. It's fun. 
it was the flashes. Yeah. Like the hundred, he had a hundred yard game against the Patriots. And he, he had a total sixty seven yards. The what he, yard game. What he brings to the Giants more than anything mm-hmm. is just stretching the defense. Even if he doesn't catch a pass, yeah. Just the fact that he's pushing those safeties further back, it opens things up. So I, 100%. I agree with. That. And he had three. He had three games where he had a catch longer than forty yards in his rookie season. Yeah. So Solid. and that was with a quarterback like Tommy DeVito. That was with an atrocious offensive line. Yeah. So I mean, J- Jalen Hyatt impressed me with what with, when you look at the totality of everything, what he was able to do. I mean, with the flashes that he showed, it's impressive. I agree. You know, and my downfall. I mean, literally, it's the offensive line. The the worst. It's either between the Giants or the Titans for the two worst offensive lines in the entire NFL. Yeah. So like, it is. That's all I'm gonna say. Just the offensive line. Okay. For, for now, what about your dark spot? Dark spot for the Giants. Can I say injuries? Yeah, I was gonna say injuries. Yeah, I their their whole team just didn't play, which was part of my bright spot for their coach, but that's also the dark spot. So like when all those guys come back again next year, like they're they're gonna be a dangerous team. So my dark spot for the Giants is making me a little outside the box here. My dark spot for the Giants is the fact that they play in New York City. The yeah. me, the media in New York City this season because of all the injuries and stuff, it was not that bad of a season. But then because they're in New York City, they they get ripped apart nonstop. It's the worst media in the NFL. It's it's far. It's so bad, dude. Mm-hmm. It's it's the hardest place to be a coach, hardest place to be a team, and they just get ripped apart by their own media all the freaking time. So that that's their biggest dark spot. Next up, Commanders. My bright spot. I'm gonna steal Ben Five. I'm gonna say Sam Howard. Sure. Sam Howell is really the all, one of the only bright spots I can think of for this team this year. He he's gonna get benched or traded. Something's gonna happen to him that he's not gonna be playing. He's not gonna be a starting quarterback next year. And he doesn't deserve that. Like he yeah. he deserves to still be a starting quarterback. I think he's I actually think he's really good. So I feel terrible for him, but he's my bright spot. Man, all right, I'll take Brian Robinson. That's a good. One. I yeah, one. I mean. Even despite their whole offense being in complete shambles all season, whether it's head coach, offense coordinator, injuries, offensive line, like Ryan Robinson still just found a way to have consistent, pretty good games. Like, still didn't go crazy on the stat sheet, but just, just a consistent producer. And the dude just finds a way to, like, it, it's the same thing that I was saying about A.J. Dillon, just in reverse. Like, dude finds a way to fall forward when he gets tackled. If he gets tackled, he's getting those extra two to three yards. He has that fall forward capability. Yeah. And that's just so underrated in a running back. I like that. That's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. So, Tanner, bright spot, commanders. <sighs> to be honest, I'm struggling here. I would say the only bright spot that I could possibly think of would be even though I'm not a massive fan of it, but the bit the Chase Young trade because they got some sort of draft capital. Like even though because Chase Young, I mean, if you look Chase Young with the injuries, like when he was with the commanders, he never really had a massive effect. Like so being able to trade him, you know, they just got a third rounder for him. But being able to trade huh? They literally got the same exact thing for Montez Sweat. So if you're saying a trade, I feel like the Montez Sweat trade was a better trade. Yeah, but, but well, they I feel like they lost more with Montez Sweat than they lost with Chase Young. So I think the Chase Young trade's a better trade. Yeah. Uh, it's it's tough to say. Yeah, but I mean, 
I would say that just getting some sort of draft okay. capital. Now the negative, Dark the Dan Quinn hire by far the worst. The worst hire. I don't know if we consider that this past season, but the worst hire. I'm still considering it this season. It was the worst. Happened before the Super. It was the worst hot. The worst NFL coaching hire this season by far. You have. I'm not joking. You have sentenced Sam Howell's NFL career to death. Oh, that doesn't have an NFL. No, no, he's done. No, he doesn't. Like by far. Like your only hope for Sam. Your only defensive coordinator, anyway. Do what? Oh, he's the head coach. No, yeah, Dan Quinn is the head coach. You have sent. That's why I said you have sent Sam Howell's well, career it, to to the grave. It doesn't you matter because he's that. not playing for. He's not going to be the coach. Which is but just insane. All right, Ben. Dark spot. Dark spot is to piggyback off of what he was saying. I'm yeah. going with their offensive coordinator hired, Dagum Cliffs Kingsbury or whatever. Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. yeah. I'm just kidding. That's not. I actually like that hire. I I do think that's a terrible hire. That's not what I'm going with. Their offensive line is atrocious. Forget the Giants. Forget the Jets. Forget whoever else you want to mention. Titans. Not worse than Titans. The Commanders' offensive line is the worst in the league. And he no Sam Howell. Sam Howell was the most sacked quarterback in the league with the least amount of time to throw out of any quarterback. And people want to say that that is Sam Howell's fault which is why they're trying to replace him so much, that is not Sam Howell's fault, bro. Sam Howell had the least amount of time to throw in the league and got sacked the most. And that's somehow his fault. Like, no, your offensive line is atrocious. Fix it. But no, instead, they're going to fire their head coach, fire their offensive coordinator, make trash hirings, and then draft an even worse quarterback. The commanders are about to suck. I think they're projected to get great. I think. Yeah, no, they're, they're, Drake May's going I, number I, one. I, they're drafting Taylor Williams. Anyways, let's go. My biggest dark spot is just coaching in general for this past year for the commanders. If you want to go Ron Rivera, if you want to go Eric Bieniemy, whatever you want to say, the coaching just as a whole was a disaster. It was really, really bad. All right, so next team up, Cardinals. Bright spot for me, I'm going to say the same thing I said for the Vikings. <laughs> the source fan with Josh Dobbs. <laughs> That was your bright spot. Bro, come on, dude. Josh Dobbs and the ball are two different teams, man. I mean, I, that little period, dude, it was fun to watch. It was entertaining. He actually made the Cardinals somewhat relevant at that time. So I'm going to say Josh Dobbs. All right, Ben, what's your bright spot? I'm going to go with Trey McBride. And that the the rookie tight end class in general, I don't know how we went through the whole lines without mentioning Sam Laporta, Sam Laporta at all. I don't know how we... So many positives. Uh, all three of us just completely... Nah, Sam Laporta... Does, we didn't even mention his name, though. Yeah, like, true. He just went straight over all the rookie tight ends this year. But Trey McBride just adds on to that amazing rookie class. Like, dude is going to be a stud and not even going to be. Like, he was a stud this year. Like, he was their best pass catcher. He was their best offensive weapon. Like, he he's going to be amazing. So, he's going to... Well, hopefully they bring in other pieces around him and he doesn't have to be, like, legit, legit. But I think he can be if he needs to be. So. Okay. All right, Tanner, what about you? The bright spot was him beating the Cowboys. Let's be honest. <laughs> that was their bright spot. Okay. <laughs> that was... That one, that was one hundred percent their bright spot, and y'all have to give me that one. Okay, I'm sorry. That was their bright spot. Before you go into the dark spot, I want to make one honorable mention: their head coach, because I think that he 
had this team actually fighting and trying to win a lot more than people thought they were going to. They so. weren't favored a single game, and they still won, what, four games? Four games. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I got to give their head coach some credit, man. All right. Dark spot, Tanner. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Kyler just because he's just, I'm, I'm just not a Kyler fan, man. I've tried my best to be as patient with him as I possibly can. I could possibly say their front office as well because they're projected to take Marvin Harrison Jr. other than a quarterback. And taking a receiver in the top five, I feel like, is not a smart decision whatsoever. They're going to trade so, the quarterback. They're going. I don't know. I, I've heard they're going to stick with Kyler. So that, I've heard they're sticking with Kyler and they're taking Marvin Harrison Jr. So, uh, yeah. that I would. You can say either one. You can say Kyler or the front All right, man. Uh, really, I don't know who to blame just because there was no expectations at all this season. I'm kind of sad you took Kyler. Mm, I, I'm going to go with their front office just for the simple fact of, like, you have a guy that's producing as your backup and not knowing what Kyler's future is. And then you trade him away for just a seventh round pick as if he's completely nothing. Yeah, that was And weird. then you traded Isaiah Simmons away as if he was just an absolute garbage player, which granted he hasn't been much yet, but he still has potential. Like dude's height, weight, and speed. You have to keep a player like that. You can't just trade him for I think they got like a sixth round pick out of him from the Giants. And he was a and, first round pick. Yeah. So they completely just threw pieces that were valuable away they just threw them away they did they they did what you all accused the titans of doing with the kevin byer trade yeah but the cardinals actually did that so i don't know my dark spot is similar along the the same lines as ben but my dark spot is just the general roster as a whole right like by the end of the season that roster I just don't see any real success coming anytime in the next four years. I just don't see how it's possible. It's just a terrible roster. It's just nothing. Nothing's good there. I mean, you got Trey McBride. And, I mean, that's basically it. That, that honestly might be why they're not taking a quarterback is because they're like, look, we saw what happened with Bryce Young. We're not doing that. We're just going to rebuild the rest of our team and then get a guy on the rookie contest. That's fair. Fair enough. Last team for the NFC, the Panthers. Speaking of Bryce Young. Got two wins this year. Bryce fought. Should I should I take the easy one here? Or should I just steal him? <laughs> I'm gonna say Bryce Young, and that's fine. I'm gonna take Tanner, the guy. I'm gonna say kill me. Y'all are gonna leave me nothing. Bryce yeah. Young, yes, he he had a terrible statistical year, but I still see promise in that guy. I still don't think he's gonna have a long successful career because I just don't think his body is built for it. But I do think that there is promise and able to have a good season or two in in him. And I saw some flashes this year. And he's just, he's on a terrible, terrible roster. So I feel terrible. I can't wait for the negatives of this team. We could, end. we could spend an hour just on the negatives. Bright spot. Bright spot, Adam Thielen. Sorry, Tanner. I know you were high on that guy coming into the season. That and so unfair. I, I'll, I'll even give you credit. We So unfair. We laughed at you for saying that Adam Thielen was going to be good. And we were like, bro, dude is like 30 and sucked last season. And 
they just rewound the clock. Not only did he put up stats, he looked good while he was doing it. It's almost like I know what I'm doing. Okay. Let's not almost like I know what I'm doing. Let's not sit here and pretend like you didn't also have 30 takes that were complete, just utter blasphemy. <laughs> hey, bro. It's those one or two that hits, bro. You you sound like Stephen A. Smith right now. <laughs> it's all right. Anyways, but Adam Thielen absolutely balled out. Not only did he put up the stats to back it up, like he actually looked good on the field. And that's the only player that you can say that for but the Panthers. All right, Tanner. Bryce Pop for the Panthers. <laughs> that that that's the correct answer. I don't have anything, guys. I'm sorry. I don't have anything. I guess I could say their defense. You can say their um, uniforms. Their defense, yeah, those black uniform. That you know what? Thank you, Brandon. Those black uniforms they have are sick to me, bro. Are sick. I'm also giving the. I'm also giving their ticket office a shout out for such cheap tickets, so fans can come and see them. That's a bright spot as well, bro. Maybe we should go to Panthers games next year. Let's do it, bro. It's not. Let's make it happen. We, we can see a Panthers game for like five bucks, bro. Let's go. We could do it. But negatives, yeah, their front office by far for screwing this team over for the next three years. I mean, I, I feel bad for Bryce. He's not a bad quarterback, but he's getting absolutely crapped on uh, because they have zero offensive line. I, besides Adam Thielen, they have zero offensive weapons. Yeah, it's just, I genuinely feel bad for Bryce. I, I really, really do. Yeah. I could be wrong about this. I'm pretty sure the way that the like NFL does scheduling and stuff, I think the Titans should play the Panthers next year because they both finished bottom in their division. So it depends. It depends the, on what division they're matched up with. They're both the South. No, so. but did that rotate? Like yeah, that? I know. So, but I mean, they should if they play do, each other. If they play each other, we're going to that game. We're taking the pan. That would that, that will be a really cheap game too. Yeah. Dude, Will Levis and Bryce Young, that would be fantastic. Yeah. That'd be fun. Both teams right. suck, but two good quarterbacks. What's your dark spot? Man? Um, can fight you. What, what can I say? What can I not say about the Panthers? They're, Brian Burns didn't live up to expectations at all. Their GM fired a great head coach because their team sucked and their GM's an idiot. And... I'm just going to stick with those two, honestly. I mean, there were so many other things, but I'm just going to go with two. Brian Burns really didn't do anything like what we thought he was going to do, and their GM is an idiot, so that's pretty much it. Yeah, I don't know if it's the GM as much as it is the owner. I'm trying to to remember the owner's name real quick. Is it David Tepper? Is that him? or It might be, I think. Yes, uh, yes, he is. David yeah, David. okay. I, I it, think it's David. My 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 dark spot is him because ever since he's got there, he has tried to. Do, he's he's gone full like Jerry Jones mode for like three straight years, and he just keeps firing people just instantly. And he's not giving any coach any chance at all. And it's just been a complete disaster. He thinks he was just going to step in and he was going to have a Super Bowl winning team like year one, and just just not realistic, dude. Okay, chill out. Dude has also traded Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. Yeah, he's he's gone wild, dude. He's he's losing his mind. But that's the biggest dark side. But all right, we need to end this episode like right this second. So which one of you is closing us out? You go, Ben. Dad coming. All right. Why don't eggs tell jokes to each other? Why? Because they would crack each other up. Terrible. That's atrocious. I like it. That's- <laughs>